right. Hello. Welcome to Stop Questioning Everything. And we always aim to bring you content with mind-altering substance. Uh, my name is Arlo Eisenberg. I'll be your host. I'm the uh, one of the founders and the artist behind Drug Receipts. Today is July 7th, 2022 in America, and it's already July 8th uh, for our friends in New Zealand and all those on the other side of the world. Uh, we have an exciting show today. Um, we've got uh, a very special guest um, from the Fluffle. We've got Nux will be joining us for some deep and interesting conversation, to be sure. Uh, we have some updates uh, from NFT NYC, uh, certainly about the DRX Travel Co. hoodies. Um, we have some big news, some great news for you. Uh, we've got um, some skeptical content that will be coming up at the end of the show. So kind of excited about that. Um, and we've got a new segment that we're going to debut on this episode. Uh, something fun with Jesse um, that we call uh, Let's Get It Poppin'. <laughs> so that's going to be cool. Um, if you're listening on an audio podcast, just uh, be reminded that we will have some video content here. Uh, we are going to show a few videos. We've got some images that we'll be sharing. We will do our best to describe everything. You, uh, hopefully you won't feel like you are missing anything, but we do always encourage you to check out the YouTube stream. Uh, you can look us up on our YouTube channel, Drug Receipts. And the best experience is always when you can see all the content that we provide, uh, especially when we show you some of these videos that show the augmented reality uh, hoodies in action. Um, so to that end, or on that note, the DRX Travel Co. hoodie claim is live. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it in the episode, but just want to kind of lead with this, let you know that you can go to uh, claim.drugreceipts.com right now and claim your IRL hoodie. That's for anyone that's holding a uh, DRX Travel Co. hoodie token. If you bought one of the NFTs, if you have one of the NFTs in your wallet, then you can go and claim your in real life hoodie right now. That claim form is up right now at claim.drugreceipts.com. All right, so enough about that. We have a special guest waiting in the wings, and I think that it's time to bring him up. Um, Nux, who uh, I think was born as Nick Sinotis, but goes by Nux now. Uh, hopefully we're not doxing him. I think that he is, he is well uh, um, known by now, but he is a very prominent member of the Fluff community, um, head of partnerships for non-fungible labs, uh, has been responsible for a lot of the great um, Fluff House events that we've all enjoyed so much. Um, and we'll have a lot to talk about about the uh, NFT NYC that um, Fluff House put together for the Fluff Social. And that was a big part of that. Uh, and also one of the most thoughtful people in this Web3 space. We had, well, actually, I'll save it for when we bring him up. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring up Nux. With the title card, that is professional. How do you like that, Nux? <laughs> yeah. I, I've never Welcome. felt more honored in my entire life. That was wonderful. I have my own title Man, card now. No expense there. Yeah, we go big. High, high <laughs> production value. That is, that is the way we do it around drug receipts. Yes, it is. So nice to see you. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, nice to be here. Um, and yeah, don't worry. I have, I've already been doxxed. I got doxxed. It was, it was my, my fun little flex before I even joined the team. I did an article or I did an interview at the first Fluff House with Forbes. And they took down both of my names and doxed me in the article. And I was like, all right, well, if anybody's going to dox me, 
it's okay that it's Forbes. Like that was, that Basil was pretty cool. Did, I'm not yeah, upset about that's that. great. That's so cool. Um, so speaking of Fluff House, I wanted to talk about uh, one of the events that we did in, at South by Southwest, because I was going to say this in the intro, but may as well talk about it with you since you're here. Our last podcast we had on as mm -hmm. a guest, Josh from Melt Interactive. And Josh nice. and I appeared on a panel together with Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park. And you moderated that panel. Um, yeah. And the feedback that we got from that panel was overwhelmingly positive. I think that people really enjoyed the conversation uh, as was you know, mentioned in your introduction. I think that you're a really thoughtful person in the space. Um, so we are looking forward to having some more conversation like that. And you know, I'm just going to be more thrilled to have you here. Yeah. That was a really good conversation, um, you know, not to overly spoil like, you know, what goes on behind the curtain, but it was really fun getting ready for that with, you know, you and uh, Josh and myself in the little um, trailer that was back there. We just kind of were working on like the script and not like the script, but like the general sequence of questions and stuff like that. And it felt really well put together. I mean, obviously I'm saying that about you know, some of the work that we all did together, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. The, you know, talking about that little pre-production meeting in the trailer, I mean, that in itself, like so many, there were so many interesting conversations that came out of that. And it's like, we had to, we had to keep like biting our tongues and like trying to just bottle it up to save it for the actual panel. Uh, but now yeah. we don't have to hold anything back right here. This is our pre-production meeting. It's the, it's the panel. It's everything all wrapped into one. Um, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we also, in our last AMA, just a couple of days ago, um, on every Tuesday, we have an AMA, uh, Twitter spaces. It's a little less formal than the podcast. But Josh was on it for a little bit and we had some really great, and Brooke came on and we had a lot of really great conversation around censorship in Web3, uh, what that looks like, what kind of constraints, you know, um, are worthwhile, you know, how do, how do we balance, you know, the levers between maximizing freedoms, but also not creating just really icky, terrible places. Um, and in that AMA, I said, man, I'm so happy that Nux is coming on in just a couple of days because I'd love to continue some of these conversations with him. So we'll get to that Absolutely. in just a second. Let's go for some some quick hit things, a little a little less serious first. But you mentioned being Docs in Forbes magazine. Um, obviously, your pseudonym, which you're well known by, is is nuts. And I'm guessing you get asked this everywhere you go. But what is the story behind it? Yeah, um, there was a Twitter Spaces that I, I feel like the recording of it got lost. So I can say this in perpetuity now. Um, it's nothing too crazy, but I as a, you know, as a kid or, you know, whenever you play video games of any sort, right, you, you end up with some sort of like gamer tag or whatever. Um, I was sort of before that, like I'm not super old, but um, I wasn't playing a ton of online games. And I played, uh, I was a, I almost was gonna say I was a professional. I was a world ranked Yu-Gi-Oh player. Um, if you know what that is, it's a trading card game. And actually the creator of it actually died today, uh, Kazuki Takahashi. Um, so it's a very, you know, just interesting that this is coming up. Um, but when I used to um, play that game, um, you know, obviously everybody had like their different nicknames and stuff like that. And so the first thing when somebody was like, you know, like, what's your kind of name you're going for? I went by um, Nux. And it was because if you're aware of Sonic the Hedgehog, there's, you know, Sonic and Tails and, and Knuckles or whatever. I've always thought of myself as, as a good guy, like doing good for the world, like wanting to, you know, benefit, be a positive force in nature of some sort. And... But I've always had this little bit of me that just has this sort of distaste for the protagonist. So like any story I can think of, Sonic being, you know, the game that I really loved the most as, as a kid was, um, 
he was just annoying. Like whenever he would be in different situations, there's just, there's just a little too much on the good side. And, and Knuckles, you know, was always kind of portrayed as a villain, but in, in reality, everything he was doing was, you know, for some good cause that wasn't necessarily like the top, like, you know, what everybody has necessarily thought like, yeah, Sonic, he's our hero. It's like Knuckles is trying to protect like this entire civilization and all this culture and this emerald and like all of this stuff. And it's like, he doesn't get a super good rap. So, so long story short, there is basically, I want to be a good guy, but I don't want to be like the obnoxious, you know, protagonist in the story. And so that's, that's kind of where Nux comes from. And so there's, so there's a little bit of darkness to the, to the light, I guess. Love that. And, you know, it's hard not to hear everything through the prism of drug receipts, especially in this forum, but there's definitely a lot of, you know, similarity in thinking, right? We kind of blurring the lines between what is conventionally thought of as good or bad, you know, um, dangerous or uh, entertaining. Uh, we have cute characters, obviously, but they are also kind of could be illicit substances. Uh, so definitely a lot of uh, overlap in the thinking there. And I especially love the idea of, you know, sort of having an aversion, a natural aversion to things that are too, you know, that, that skew too far one way or the other. If it's too positive, if it's too saccharine, or even if it's too uh, objectionable, too uh, offensive, right? It's like trying yeah. to find those lines. I think that's where the most interesting stuff happens. Um, you know, talking, I'm going to, we're going to stay on this theme kind of like of PFPs and avatars and games and things like that, but we're just going to start pushing it a little deeper. Uh, because we use your avatar actually in our promotions for this uh, podcast. We used your, uh, your fluff wearing the gold crown um, and the leather yep. jacket. It's really cool. Um, super sick PFP. But it got me to thinking about, you know, as we go into these spaces, right? You went through this whole thought process, right? Choosing your name, kind of like what you wanted to present to the world, you know? And in these spaces, in these, you know, these online and what's going to be metaverse spaces, we will have that. Uh, power, right? To choose our identities, how we want to present to the world. And it, th so here's kind of the interesting thought that I want to explore a little bit. But so some of us, like in the case of fluffs, if we mint a fluff, you one is provided to you at random. Uh, you can also go onto a secondary market and look for things. And you might look for traits uh, that you identify with, or you feel like, you know, you feel some community with. Um, but in some way, there becomes like a feedback loop between you and the avatar and these like these virtual representations uh, that start to become your identity online, but also that probably change uh, or, or craft your identity, you know, full stop, right, in real life. Um, so I, I get it's not really a question. I'm just starting a conversation like, like this idea of this like relationship between our identities and the things that will represent us um, in the metaverse. Yeah, no, no, I really liked where you were um, going with that. I, I also like the concept of the iterative nature, because that's absolutely how I think about it. Because like I said, my name, you trace it all the way back comes from, you know, like knuckles, but I don't necessarily think about that as much anymore. But it's evolved over time in the different settings and contextualizations that I brought it into. And even with fluff, um, you know, my, my name my, I don't even know, within the fluff community, like what I was known for and still sort of am known for, but now I just have a bunch of other stuff too, is being like the blossom fur person, because there are only, you know, 27 different blossoms. And I started collecting them early on because I was just like, you know, the rare furs, eventually we're going to make flufflets. That's going to be a really cool business opportunity to be kind of corner one of these markets. Um, but I would, so people started calling me the blossom king. And so an iteration on that was like, oh, well, here I am. I don't even have a crown. 
<laughs> and so I like, you know, obviously it was like always on the lookout. Like I got to get, you know, if I'm going to be within this community and be some sort of, you know, royalty, whatever, which is a whole nother fun topic we can get into about. I, I hate hierarchy. Like just if you want to learn a, a random new bit of knowledge about me that I feel like would resonate really well with kind of some of the topics here is I am just like Mr. Anti-hierarchy, like imposed traditional structure is just, just goes very much um, opposite to how my brain works. But I still think it's funny, like from a lore standpoint, like the whole, you know, the whole environment being the third kingdom and then there being kings and things like that. Um, I think that uh, there's just a fun, a uh, lot of lore and a lot of storytelling that you can do by having these different characters with these different titles or roles or things like that. So uh, that's an iterative thing, right? Because even just within a few months time period, I went from the Blossom guy, um, I think Max Poker used to call me Blossom Daddy, and then that turned into, you know, the Blossom, the Blossom King. And obviously there's just infinitely, infinite amounts of richness, I feel like, especially with these um, avatars, you can even switch them. Someday I could be like, I'm not, I could just be like, I'm not this crown darkness with the cool, you know, jacket anymore. I want to actually be one of the Blossom furs myself or something like that. And that's kind of a fun piece of it too. And that's kind of your, that's exactly kind of what I was thinking or where, what I was getting at, right? So once you adopt this online or this, you know, uh, persona, right, this avatar for yourself, uh, in some ways you start to take on the personality of whatever you're presenting out there. So if it is this dark fluff wearing a crown, you know, a tilted crown, there's some, you know, there are some like uh, characteristics that people will associate with that. And I've always kind of yep. nurtured this, uh, this pet suspicion, which I'm sure is probably already well-documented like in psychological circles, but you know, it goes something like this, right? That uh, people who are born with a certain demeanor or a certain appearance, like if you, you imagine like how people are typecast in movies, right? There's a certain look that we expect from the bully, for instance, right? Usually, you know, heavy scowl or whatever, maybe it's a bald head, you know, uh, husky, something like that. But there are people who through no choice of their own will just sort of be born into that kind of body, right? And I suspect that a, a good percentage of them, people will, will react to that body type and that facial presentation in such a way that they kind of grow into the expectation of who they were born as, right? They will start to kind of yeah. act out as the bully because everybody thinks that that's what they are. Same thing for beautiful people, you know, whatever it is. There, I think that there are a lot of expectations that come with outward appearances. And in a lot of ways, yeah. you kind of grow into other people's expectations. Uh, and so what we're talking about is just kind of like an even more deliberative right? Uh, and purposeful um, expression of that, where we actually get to choose what we are presenting. But then beyond that, there will be kind of like this psychological feedback loop, feedback loop, where we, we start to take on the personality of whatever we're presenting. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, beautiful. I, I think about that a lot. I was actually thinking about it the other day. And I wish I could remember what the setting was, even just independent of Web3, the metaverse, and all of this. But I was thinking that you know, like if you look at me, right, I've got my, my little, I don't even know what you call this, like pompadour, classic American hairstyle and like whatever. I'm a very clean cut looking um, dude. And I feel like I've kind of, my upbringing was sort of that way too. Like, again, within a system, like I was, I was really good at school, like blah, 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 all this other stuff. Um, but I vibe so much with people who are not good at school, like with people who are just like, very opposite, you know, in, in a lot of like the upbringing, things like that. Like that's much like I, whenever I talk to other people, um, talked about things with people too, like I have like a master's degree and I'm always like, I would not recommend most people even go to college, honestly. Like, I just don't think that that's necessarily a great use of time, money, et cetera, especially in the world that we're living in right now. And so um, to your point, like the ability for somebody like myself, but really anybody to 
choose a representation and, and build on that and continuously learn about themselves through how they represent themselves, even if they don't have like artistic capabilities. Because I think before what that would require is, you know, you have to, um, you know, create a piece of art, represent yourself that way, um, et cetera. I think now being able to la latch yourself onto these different communities or onto these different artists and things like that and use that as a way to represent yourself and even be able to cycle through it the only thing you need to do is just be aware of what's going on and able to, you know, mint the right pieces um, and to be a part of all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, it's just a really interesting place that we've gotten to in the world. I'm, I'm really happy about it. And I feel like we're barely scratching the surface of, of what it could look like. You mentioned, right, that you have a master's degree. And I know that you have a lot of history and experience in kind of the education space, um, creating even educational materials, right? Um, yeah. So I am curious, you know, th this, I think, just falls right into your, your wheelhouse, right? As a techno optimist, um, you are someone who follows, I think, technological trends and innovations um, and someone who cares and thinks a lot about education. Uh, but it seems that there is a real opportunity here, right, with, uh, with online spaces, with Web3, and even just the very uh, notion of the gamification of everything, essentially where things, you know, aren't done by rote processes anymore, but where if stuff is actually enjoyable and engaging and immersive, um, you would yes. probably, I would think you would have better outcomes. Yes. Yeah. You, I mean, you are excellent and at what you're doing right now, guiding this conversation. You just hit like a, like a key point for me, like a life point for me, something that I think about all the time. Um, to start like at the most broad level, I really if you really think about my education stuff and you think about what i do with events now i've always chased the concept of really good experiences i just really like just the concept of um experiential anything you know enjoyment learning kind of that whole space is really i think what gets gets me out of bed in the morning and gets me excited um and i think a lot about with education i so i i had my educational businesses way back when. And I, um, I stopped for a while because of a lot of reasons. One of them being that it was very, I don't know, disheartening to have to work with these, these school systems that were just like not ready. This was actually ironically before COVID um, to jump onto like online learning and use all this different technology, you know, and, and like they just weren't, there wasn't as much of a demand for it. I was almost like too, we were too ahead what we were doing for what there was actually people wanting to pay money for. Um, but one of the things I used to dream of, I feel like is very close to being possible now, which is like virtual reality um, and how that applies to an educational space. And the reason I say virtual reality is um, it's super immersive. And I think that being able to basically, in my mind, the ultimate educational app or, or game or system or whatever, it is a game. It's basically, you know, you're in like an open world of some sort and there's different contexts that you're supposed to be learning. But, you know, suppose you're you're, you're a young kid and you're learning about, you know, physics for the first time, being able to actually see it happen, turn different knobs, make different things happen, experiment, play with it, all of that using just like technology and like what's in front of you. To me, it, it, there are many other aspects of education that need to be improved, but just moving to that point where, you know, anybody at any age can exist within a flow state and then also exist with anybody in the world and learn directly from some of the greatest people in the world, but also be, you know, with people at different levels of experience. All of the things that we think about right now that we're experiencing in Web3 and like a really basic, like the PFP movement um, is like, to me, iteration one of, you know, all of these things that in the future we'll get to where, you know, you're existing in a virtual space, 
and you're experiencing things. You know, you can take the example that I just said and remove the productivity part, like the educational part, and just make it, you know, the other half, which is more like enjoyment, experiences, events, parties, whatever. And you can imagine, you know, instead of having to fly across the world to go to a festival, which still has obviously plenty of benefits to it and will still, I think, always be something people want to do, um, building good enough experiences where I can sit here in my office and sit side by side or, you know, dance side by side, like somebody in a completely different country with a completely different set of experiences, um, being able to utilize technology, but also like shared commonalities of things that we, we all care about to, to do that is to me, that's what web three is, is beckoning. We're just in such an early phase where sometimes I think people forget all the different things that are happening in parallel with just the advancement of NFTs, cryptocurrency, et cetera. Yeah, very well said. And, you know, as as promised, right, you delivered, right, very thoughtful uh, ideas on the subject. You mentioned the pandemic, Nux, and I think that it's been well documented, right, kind of the relationship between the pandemic and kind of the, the movement online and just people's uh, greater appetite for kind of online um, experiences. But it seems that it also provided an opportunity to, to kind of like uh, – um, jump forward uh, in, in many ways. Like it caused us to reevaluate a lot of the things that we've just taken for granted or even things that people maybe have kind of started to suspect were not ideal or not the, were not optimized, but they were just so entrenched that there was no way we were ever going to get out of like, you know, the five-day work week, the nine to five, the commute. I mean, just everything. Um, same thing with school, right? Conventional schooling, show up at the school, 8 a.m., you know, all that stuff. But then uh, out of nowhere came this giant um, monkey, wrench, monkey wrench and just forced us, you know, shut everything down and forced us to reevaluate everything. And I think in a lot of ways kind of exposed some of these things, right? Like the idea that you have to go to school every day, you know, and sit behind a desk to get the, you know, to get the, uh, the, the education or that you have to commute and sit at your desk at an office, you know, for eight to 10 hours a day in order to be uh, doing your job. Um, and I want you to talk to me about now what you think or how you think that this has maybe accelerated the timeline for kind of these, uh, for us to consider kind of these new models, um, these new ways of approaching work and education and, and just our entire, our entire lives. Yeah. Um, there's, there's an undercurrent of how I, I see the world, which is, you know, like deliberate experimentation, um, you know, changing inputs, with different desired outcomes and trying to optimize to what those outcomes are. That comes from my background, I think a lot in you know math and statistics and stuff like that. But I feel like when you say that out loud, anybody with any background can understand, you know, change what you put in, changes what comes out, something in, something out. Um, and I think that for me, what COVID and any of these larger events do is it basically adds constraints to the problem that's being solved or to whatever situation is happening in the world. And so, um, you know, obviously COVID just made it so that certain things could not happen. And because of that, you know, in a traditional kind of experimentation standpoint, you're just eliminating an entire like column, you know, of different variables that just no longer, like you can't even consider these. And so it forces a level of creativity in designing, you know, the different systems that we work with. Well, obviously the nice thing about, you know, remote work or remote education is it existed in some form before this, um, but it was put to the test you know, during COVID because you, know, you had to scale it basically immediately. Everybody had to figure out something. And then because of the network effects of social media and stuff like that, um, and also, you know, kind of sort of distributed systems, people were learning from each other about like what works and what doesn't a lot more rapidly than they were 
before COVID. And so to me, that's, that's the, we call it a benefit, call it whatever it is, but in these situations, in these systems, I think it's something that I wish we could do even when we weren't forced to, right? Like I was actually somebody, I've worked more of my life and this will always be the case um, remotely for whatever job I'm working than there in person. I'm a very online human being. I always have been ever since I was younger. Um, but even like during my career, um, my previous job, there were a few years when I would go into the office, but both of those businesses that I was talking about, um, even my entire master's degree, all that, all online, that's just how I've existed. Um, obviously, I'm predisposed to like that and to want to do that. Most people, I mean, a lot of people that I met pre-COVID were like, I could never, oh, I could never work online, you know, remotely. That's never something that I'd want to do. Then obviously they were forced into it. Um, and I think that if we all took a little bit of time in our lives strategically, but also just day to day, doing things that maybe we don't have to do, but are you know uniquely different in some key dimensions than they would be otherwise, I think that we would be able to learn with a greater capacity. Yeah, totally. You know, we, I was working at an agency before I went full-time for drug receipts. Um, and during COVID we, you know, like everyone else, we were all, uh, on lockdown, but so we got out of our lease. Uh, we eventually moved into a co-working space and had everybody work from home basically, and we're never going back. And I know that that's true for yeah. a lot of people. So it was completely disruptive and, and there are new models. I think, I think one of the exciting things about what's happening is it has opened up the door to kind of experimentation right now. It's not just whatever, you know, we always did. It's like, what will, the, what, to your point, like what will have the best outcomes right now we can start tweaking the levers a little bit. Um, Nux, I feel like I did you a disservice or maybe I did our audience a disservice because I gave you a brief introduction, but I would love for you to tell us, we've talked kind of around it. Tell us what your role is with Fluff. Oh yeah, that's fair. I guess not everybody yeah. knows that. Um, I, so my official title is head of partnerships or director of partnerships for non-fungible labs, which is where Fluff World, you know, party bears, um, thingies, and all of, you know, all of those sorts of things related to our ecosystem come from. Um, you know, it's kind of a mix of like a technical company, but also a kind of a content creation IP driven company. And as you know, there's this, you know, broader uh, umbrella and system in place with, you know, Futureverse that I think a lot of you have heard about. So I kind of exist in that general space doing partnerships. Um, the most, the biggest chunk of my job, though, is consumed by the events because they're so big. Um, and there's just a lot of different um, aspects that we need to manage around them and also ensure that, you know, we have our proper brand representation as part of those events. But even um, one thing that I think I've kind of grown into in my role, as, as you know, is, um, you know, integrating the different partners within the ecosystem. So working with ASM, working with seekers, you know, working with drug receipts, um, et cetera, and even, you know, broader extended, you know, ecosystem partners like, you know, Zero Thulu, Crypto Walkers, just like everybody kind of existing in that space and helping them kind of uh, mesh together as we do the events. But then also there's the other part of it, which is maintaining, you know, good relationships with all those sorts of people. Um, and that's just like the, the center. Um, obviously, there are other levels of partnership, whether it's, you know, intensity, like size of partnership, but then also, um, you know, level of partnership, like how deep we, we go with each of them. And the other piece, I guess, just to add a little bit of uh, flavor there is I do, I I really enjoy this part and it's also a need, but I do a lot of the artist relations stuff for us at Fluff World, non-fungible labs too. So um, 
that's that's something that I have a ton of passion around. I used to want to be an artist manager. Then I learned that that's not a very fun job. And so I feel like what I get to do now is a lot cooler anyway, which is like work with the artists at like a creative, but also business level as we bring them into our um, ecosystem at some level and then help them build really cool shit that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what that looks like, these uh, building the artist relationships? I mean, I know your background, for instance, is an, is an artist uh, collaboration, right? That you guys released that. Yeah. Yeah. This, that, this is, so this is one that we did with Zigor. This was the first, if I'm not mistaken, this was the first scene that was released as like a, you know, a purchasable mintable scene that you, but when we were starting to talk about scene swaps and things like that, um, this is my favorite one. Also the, the Zigor dancing in the shroom light background. I have been trying to get a bunch of them again. I actually, this is a fun little thing and I'll go back to your question. Uh, people always ask me like, for alpha and things like that. And I have, I have alpha within my respective domain, um, but we're really good about like the need to know concept at, at non-fungible labs, which is basically like, I don't know what this background does. Like, I don't know any more about the utility of what this background does than any of you. Um, to me, I'm like, I hope it has to do something with mushrooms and mycelium. <laughs> you know, like, I, it's like, that, that would be nice. Uh, but for me, it's, I like it because it's rare, it's beautiful. It's absolutely just like stunning visually. Um, and so all of my blossom furs have this background because you have to have the same background um, to, to do the breeding game. So, um, and I got so caught up in my little side tangent that I forgot what your question was. Any, any artists that you're working with presently or anything that you're excited about that you can share with us? Yeah, yeah, I can share one. Um, I think it's the, the cat has come out of the bag, just not super publicly because um, there hasn't been a ton of official stuff around it. But uh, so Miha, the artist that we've had DJ now at two of our different events, um, she's great. She's always been one of my favorite um, DJs, artists, producers, you know, in general. Um, and she is also really well initiated already within like Web3, like has a really strong grasp of this space and understands it. Um, also has really, you know, spent a lot of time as an independent artist, like not always relying on different labels and things like that for distribution, just kind of creatively, you know, working on um, art in whatever form or fashion she sees fit. So um, I've worked really closely with her over the last couple of months to kind of shape like an overall strategy um, of some different things. And one of them is um, you got a little sneak peek of it if you were at the Fluff Social, but um, I've worked, I've been working with, you know, with Miha and um, Zero X Thulu um, to do some work on um, basically bringing, you know, Miha into the metaverse through a, a new character uh, that will be a Fluff. And so I don't want to spoil too much because again, there's still like a lot of, unveiling and you know fun things there but there was a little sneak preview teaser um like a really cool actually a teaser video which basically took uh something that miha i keep wanting to call her amber because like we talk all the time and so it's, it's funny you can't like call them by like it's just it, when you're working with artists like and you actually like work with them on like a personal level um i've always just been like i'm gonna call you by like your name because it's gonna be weird for me like hey skrillex you know how's it going skrillex like like that's just it just sounds kind of funny um so anyway, um, working with her on basically, there's going to be a Miha-related fluff project um, with Zero X Thulu right now is, is doing a ton of the, the production work and things like that. And also, you know, contributing from like a storytelling standpoint, um, what she does from there, what that means, how that integrates and other stuff. Like I would love to spill the beans on, you know, all of that. But, um, but the point there is it's all bespoke. 
Like, you know, we, we came up with that. It started with a conversation. She, she played at South by Southwest. She loved everything we did with the dome um, and the visuals and things like that. Um, and her and her team were wondering like, you know, what are other things we can do? So I pursued that. We had more conversations and she said, oh, I have this really cool story that I made a few years ago about basically like me existing in the metaverse. Um, and then Ready Player One came out and I, I canned it because I was like, okay, shit, other people are already working on this. Um, and it's, you know, I, I can't just like recreate that whole story. Uh, I'll get eaten by it. Um, and so, but then we were talking about it and she was sharing the story and she's like, I still kind of want to do this. And so, you know, we took that and it basically has now morphed into, you know, a kind of an intro and in, in, entrance into the metaverse sort of story. Um, and again, you'll sometime in the next chunk of time um you will you'll get to see the the video that's been uh created for that um but yeah it's been really cool and i, I think that there's absolutely that's just one example of all the different things you know fluff or no fluff like any of these different projects but i mean obviously we have a very strong musical aspect here and so i get really excited about working um with these different product uh producers and, and djs because, um, you know, we do the events and they get super excited. They're like, wow, this is way cooler than I thought it was going to be. And it's a great kind of segue to say, and guess what? If you actually like this stuff, we can go even further than that. And so I think this is to me, um, again, getting back to experimentation and how much I love that. Um, this is a really great opportunity for me um, to just basically work with this incredible team, you know, these multiple different incredible teams, um, you know, us obviously internally to non-fungible labs and then the Zero Xulu team as well as, you know, um, Miha and, and her manager and, and the whole team, you know, around that um, to just create something beautiful that I feel like if we didn't have these, you know, spontaneous communities and the technology, you know, optimism that we have behind Web3 to just go out there and try new stuff and see what works, um, I don't think the opportunity would have presented itself. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah, we're, I think we're all excited. You talked about kind of like the how good things come out of like a demonstration, right? Of what you can do when you actually get to these um, experiential events, and then people can actually, you know, it's one thing to talk about them and try and talk people through it, but you, you just don't know until you actually see it. And I think that we had a similar experience with drug receipts, thanks to you guys and the Fluff uh, Social at NFT NYC. But you know, you were really, and the the whole team over there was really accommodating and just as you said, like kind of open to ideas. And experimentation, um, because there wasn't really merch was not envisioned as part of the Fluff Social, at least not at this one. Uh, merch is usually mm -hmm. a pretty big part of Fluff House events, but the Fluff Social it really wasn't, I think, uh, part of the the original vision for it. But so we basically ended up creating kind of like a pop up store for drug receipts there because we wanted to have the big debut of our uh, augmented reality merch. Um, and you know, I think having that there, once people could actually see it, uh, that was like a um, a coming of age moment for drug receipts, honestly. Um, and it's funny because our history kind of like is marked through these milestones that happen at fluff events. So we actually yep. minted right during South by Southwest at the fluff domes. Um, and then, so you fast forward a couple of months and really, you know, we minted at South by Southwest, but we really were born, um, at NFT NYC at the fluff social because that was like the first proof of concept that people could see and understand and start to really get their arms around what drug receipts was. And, you know, talk about community, community nuts. I think that we are all grateful for this because kind of the, the wider ecosystem, I probably in large part because of your own vision for it, but we've taken on, right. The, the spirit of community that, you know, that you've started right from the top 
but we have so many conversations. You know, we've become good friends with um, Jacob at X Zero Thulu. We've been talking to Crypto Walkers. Uh, we talked to Party Bear. I mean, it's just the 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 spirit of community. And obviously, we had our first collaboration with the Seekers. Um, but it's you know, it it breathes so much life into to everything that we do. It breathes so much life into the project. Um, you don't have any Miha videos yet, but you know, we're talking so much about these uh, Fluff House events and the Fluff Social. We do have a video, an edit that we made from the Fluff Social. So, uh, Joellen, if we've got that thing ready, let's go ahead and take a look at that for a moment. Such a great event. Uh, can can you talk to me a little bit about what is the difference between Fluff House and uh, Fluff Social? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fluff Social is is meant to be smaller, uh, more intimate. Um, actually, that if we're if we're going by the book definitions, that turned into a Fluff House. Um, there were actually more people there that like clocked in than there were at Fluff House LA. Um, which is hilarious. So that wasn't supposed to happen, but ended up just being, uh, we had a really high RSVP like hit rate. Normally, I think, you know, you expect like 40 to 50%, like whatever. I think we were at like 70 or something like that. And then plus ones and, you know, kind of uh, a little bit of guest list stuff in the background, you know, like in, just people like from the different communities. Cause that was the other thing too, is I, I let every different community bring a certain number and I factored in all of those typical calculations about like how many you, you'd think would no show. Um, I think there was just enough padding on everybody's behalf mm -hmm. where we just blew up. So, so fluff social is meant to be smaller. And then there's also typically meant to be like a, a central theme around it. Like maybe like a hundred people, like we've talked about in the past and we would, we would do this in the future. We just need to overall organize the strategy doing like a women in crypto event where you only invite like, you know, um, you know, a hundred, you know, different women from different, you know, uh, NFT, Web3, crypto, whatever um, communities and, and projects and things like that. And it's basically meant to be like a meeting of the minds and there's maybe like a keynote and they've got like, kind of, you know, a cool dinner and um, great DJs and things like that. Um, this one, I think, was meant to be that at first. And I think it very quickly evolved in, into basically a, a fluff house. But I think the fluff social, the one thing I love about the fluff social, I love a lot of things about the fluff social. Um, but I wish you had a, I, I could like cue Joellen for a picture. The logo um, for Fluff Social, I feel like is just super cute because it says like Fluff and then it has like the little script social or whatever under it. And I feel like it just, it gives the right vibe of maybe it's like, yeah, maybe it started as a distinction between parameters around number of people. But I think if anything, it's more social is like this invite only um, cool kickback, you know, type of event, I think fits the vibe a little bit more. And then house is still like that bigger, broader, more party environment that I think people are used to. Um, there's also village, which is what technically what South by Southwest was, was a fluff village, which is like wow. a whole campus of like education, entertainment. Um, and then, you know, there could also be like a fest in the future, which is like, you know, you like a festival sort of environment or things like that. Um, that's kind of the four levels that we've kind of um, come up with in the past. The interesting complication on top of that is, is really thinking about how you brand these and how you shape these um, 
given the broader future verse, you know, uh, conversation as well. Like, are we, you know, if we're doing these as like future verse events in the future, um, how does that shape, you know, the branding of like this event stuff? That's a question that I'm actively working on solving. That that might sound like alpha, but it's really just an interesting, boring <laughs> behind the scenes business conversation. I'm not sure that the line is so clear there between those two things. Uh, exactly. Right. Um, so what, you know, we touted our, our uh, title cards, right? Like as the, you know, as a, an example of like high production value, but we make up for it with like really unprofessional things like my cat constantly jumping up here on my desk. But, but you know, you, you are experimenting, right? You're experimenting with like different ways of, you know, putting together these live events. Um, we are experimenting with like different ways of approaching kind of like our, you know, our, uh, our work and our educational systems, all these things. But one of the things I'm experimenting with actively is when to feed my cat, because the, this podcast happens right around her dinner time. And I always tell her, I'm like, I'm a bachelor. And so I live with my daughter's cat and I always tell the cat, you know, we eat together as a family. So when I eat dinner, she eats dinner. When I eat lunch, she eats lunch. Uh, but so we usually eat around this time. So I've been trying to figure out, sometimes I will feed her before we start the podcast. So she'll be happy. But then I go and eat dinner after the podcast and she thinks it's time to eat again. So she'll meow the whole time I eat dinner. Uh, so if I wait, but if I wait to feed her until after the podcast is over, she's bugging me the whole time during the podcast. So I'm tweaking yeah. the levers over here, Nux. This is uh, important, <laughs> right? You and me, we're experimenters. That's right. Mad scientist. That's uh, what so, I've always wanted to be. Nux, to try and bring it back in, though, you know, we're talking about, you're talking about kind of these different types of live events, right? Um, but here you are working at, you know, kind of one of the, the uh, flagpole organizations for like Web3, right, in the metaverse. Um, so what uh, the flagpole, tentpole organizations? Flagship, flagship, flagship organizations. There, yeah, there is some, right, there is some description in there that, that I'm it, not quite nailing, but you get the idea. Either way, it's 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 Tenfold. two words put together. Yeah, exactly. You are you are word word right of metaverse. Um, but so, how talk to me a little bit about like what the future of this looks like? Because I imagine right, they're not there's not going to be such a division between these things, right? It's not we're not going to be talking about kind of the metaverse activities here on the one side, and then all these great live events on the other. At some point, I'm imagining pretty quickly these things are going to start converging. So, what yeah. do you know about that, or what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, and that's one of those ones where I think people expect us to be like the whole world, including like these, these flagship, you know, NFT companies um, to be like right there. But, um, you know, I think your previous guest, uh, Josh, probably has a lot, a lot to say. It'd be fun if all three of us were here kind of uh, riffing next on time. this, but yeah, next time let's just, let's He's do in that. the comments. Um, I see him. Yeah. I, I see him. He's, he told us the word is flagship, which flagship. I appreciate. I, that's, that's very Josh. But there's also um, but I, I, whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, yeah, I think that you're right about the convergence for sure. I think at first we'll probably see them separately because honestly, I haven't seen good metaverse. I haven't seen good like online experiences um, because we're just too early. I feel like on some of the tech, I know there has been some, and that's why I mentioned Josh because I know like his company um, has has done some stuff like that in the past. But I think that eventually we will see a convergence. Um, you know, virtual augmented reality, different things like that. I think that would be more on the augmented side. Um, you know, Snapchat, you, you know, uh, somebody that I know you're familiar with um, some of the awesome stuff they're doing. Um, they at, at EDC and some recent festivals, and this is something I, I think is definitely worth everybody looking into is, um, 
they've built in some level of like augmented reality and, and things like that into, you know, some of their events. And I think that's like, again, just scratching the very, very surface, because to me, all of this sort of stuff, like technological advancements, um, I am, you said it earlier, you nailed it. It's probably one of my like favorite core things to do is really look at trends, not even just in technology, but also like culture, music, just the world in general, macro kind of evolution over time. And I think that to me, where I feel like Web3 puts us, and that's why I get really excited about these events, is we're going to experience the cultural macro movements at the same time as the technological ones. Um, like we're, we're like right in the middle of both of those. And I think before events and music and things like that felt pretty separate from, from tech, you know, like every year the iPhone gets a little bit thinner and, you know, and it's got a better camera and whatever, but I could see because of, you know, the way that web three really brings these things together. And you also throw in kind of community, like how people experience things together. I, you know, I think there are evolutions that happen to that over time if you kind of take all those pieces and start to, you know, lightly intersect them, um, there's just different problems being solved. And I guess that's where I was getting at is, is, you know, evolution happens because of, of reasons. And so I think that, um, that was like a really basic statement. Evolution happens because of reasons. <laughs> Nixon and Otis. You know, like, evolution like the most, happens yeah, stuff happens. You know, stuff comes right. in, stuff comes out. Right. There's, a, there's a pull. Yeah, exactly. There's a pressure. There's something that that makes, you know, innovation happens to solve problems. And I think that the intersection of all these different dimensions, you know, whether it's online, it's in real life, it's, you know, music, it's tech, you know, all these different things happening. I really feel like the greatest Web3 metaverse companies will be the ones that really pick very fine pinpointed problems um, that you can really well articulate and quantify and they focus on those problems and they solve them. And I do feel like, you know, I think drug receipts, I think non-fungible labs, I think, you know, all of these like different um, ecos, these uh, partners that I work with within this ecosystem have kind of picked their different problems. And a lot of them I think are in an array in a certain direction. And I think the ones that I am, you know, uh, tasked with solving um, and honestly the most excited to solve are, are really about, um, I, like I was saying at the very beginning of this kind of, um, is our experiences, whether that's educational, that's, you know, fun, you know, uh, party focused, whatever. I think it's how do you make it so that people have, you know, an enjoyable time where they're in a flow state and they're solving interesting problems together, um, whether that's through, you know, obviously gaming, you know, just entertainment, parties, education, etc. cetera. Um, so I, I think that the, the future could hold infinitely many possibilities, but I think generally directionally, the, the big macro trend that I see that Web3 really brings to the surface is those intersections across those different dimensions. Yeah, totally. Um, so this is, Nooks, you provided so much great content as expected, as build. Um, and we, I'd like to give some people that are following along in our YouTube chat here or on Discord the opportunity to uh, add some questions for Nux. I know that our meds, what we call our moderators around here, uh, have been collecting questions, comments from the audience. Guys, do we have anything uh, that we'd like to put to Nux? Um, there. <laughs> oh, it's our Q and A. See, I told you this was a first-rate organization. Look at that. You know what we need? We need some sound design, right? So those things don't just kind of happen like they're in a vacuum. Uh, but that that will really take it to the next level. Um, 
consider the challenge issued. We're gonna we're gonna try and get that done. Okay, so let's see. They I can't really got some questions here. Um, okay, so oh, well, one of them is I, Nux. I don't know if you're familiar, but something that we are leading up to in our little corner of the ecosystem is something called drug wars. Um, Drug receipts, it has, you know, this just sort of came organically out of the community, but because it's, you know, it's 2D art, but it's, you know, it's really carefully crafted art. Each piece looks kind of designed. Um, each one looks like, you know, a, a finished piece of art unto itself. Um, people have found that there is uh, some satisfaction in collecting them, right? And, and patterns start to emerge, right? The background, the background colors, the way that they uh, combine, the way certain traits go together. Uh, even the fact that we have four main characters that the collection is based on. Uh, so people started sort of naturally just or, uh, collecting in groups of fours. Uh, so we have sort of formalized this organic um, thing that's grown out of the community and created a way to kind of like gamify collecting. And that's going to be drug wars. We're going to allow people to kind of put together their best sets of four, put them up against other people's best sets of four, and then those are going to compete. Uh, so King Anish in our audience is asking, they want to know what your drug wars team is looking like. We know that you are a, a drug receipts holder. We call, we call holders drug snugglers. Um, but they want to know, <laughs> that's kind of an unfair question to ask. And especially we're not even looking at his, his holdings. Um, maybe that was just a long way to go to give us a, a chance to plug our own drug wars. Are, have you heard of it at all? Does this, are you familiar with this? Idea? Yeah. Yeah. I, it was nice to get the overview because I'm aware of it, but I wasn't necessarily aware of like it's 4v4, um, all these yeah. different components. Um, I'm looking at my collection right now. Um, I have, I have a, I have a tabby with, um, with like bunny ears that I feel like is really nice looking and, she, and, and yeah. she's got wings and stuff like that too. Oh, I've seen um, that. Yeah. He, have, he's really great. You, our, our community would go nuts for that one, honestly. That's probably my favorite one um, that mm -hmm. I hold. Um, I also have a Rex with a green money bag, which is my other favorite one. Um, for me, though, that just saying that to mention a few of the different ones that I have. For me, if I were to create a team, I, I get stuck. And I, I feel this way about whether it's this or for, you know, even for Fluff or for AFA All-Stars or whatever. Is like, do you go with, do you maximize or do you minimize variability? Do, you, do I go for like, you get a little bit of everything on the team? Or do I go for like, oh, it's so clean. He's got four that look like they were picked from the same bucket, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think it really just depends on the day. But I, I think I would venture to say I would go for like one super like rare, unique trait across each of the different four. Like I'd get like one like red slipper, you know, or something like that. And like, yeah. or, or they could all have that and then vary in different ways. I feel like that's that's how my brain works. Again, without knowing... Is there a benefit to picking one or the other? I'm obviously just purely speculating off of what would look cool and like what would be like a nice aesthetic pairing. But uh, yeah, that's I think I think that's a decent answer. One, that's a great answer. You know, one of our community members they built kind of like a a temporary or uh, you know a preview set builder. Um, it's just a website you can go onto. You put four of them up there. They're put into like a little picture frame. Um, but so people have been using it and posting them and just the. It just exactly to your point, like when you can see kind of like the way that they're curated, like the thought that went into it, the way that they're putting their collections together. Um, oh, and also one of the, the kind of the exciting features about it is you get to name the, the set also. So right there 
nice. on the, the photo frame. It says whatever you call them. So that also gives some insight into like what the theme is or what the thinking is behind the way they're curated. So it's, we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be super fun and exciting. Um, I have another question here. It says, you know, if you had to choose, this is tough, right? Like choosing between children. But if you had to choose between partnerships, you know, one of the hats that you wear or events, like what would it be? Do you have a preference? That's really, that's interesting. If you look at them, they're like, they're inextricably linked. Honestly, the way that I, because it's a team of one right now, I, like that's just how I do them is, you know, to do the partnerships well, I do the events or to do the events well, I leverage partnerships. But um, my gut answer is events because you could do partnerships without necessarily having a ton of connection to like musicians. Like we have so many other types of partnerships, um, but with the events, it would force me like no matter what, like to always be connected to the artists. And I've just realized that in this, this year, that's something that I don't ever want to like not have in my life. It's just being able to work um, with just creatives at, at any level. So I get that with either of them, but it feels more forced with the events. Um, and so that's, that's why I would probably pick that one. Perfect. Makes sense. So I have a, a quick one here for you. And then we're going to move into a, a brand new little segment that we are just going to uh, unleash on you um, and see how it goes. So you are our guinea pig here. But just to kind of get us ready for that, we have another uh, question that's come in. And this is from clearly one of the Kiwis in the audience. But, you know, we do so much work with people in New Zealand that I suspect this question will be meaningful to you. But the question is pumpkin pie or a mince and cheese pie? That's actually a really hard question. Um, <laughs> right. It's, my, it's my dinner and dessert. Why would you have to choose? I would say pumpkin. Um, that's probably, I'm going to piss everybody off with that answer. <laughs> I have a feeling. Um, but I've always thought pumpkin pie is so weird, but I love it. I like uh, the Costco pumpkin pie. Like here, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to shill anything right now, but if you've never gotten a Costco pumpkin pie, they're like $5 and they're massive. They're just incredible. True, truly, truly incredible. And then, yeah, the, the, they've got an interesting texture to them too. I love meat though. That's the weird thing about this answer is like, if I could only eat one thing, it would be like beef, like beef, chicken, like fish. Like I love all of those different things. Like that's, that's like some of my favorite foods in the world, but pumpkin, I think pumpkin's the answer to that question. Very, very interesting. And uh, Joellen, uh, mark that he loves meat. I think that's good. Um, we might be able to do something with that later. Um, the, but regarding the mince pies and the meat pies, you know, from traveling, when we were skaters, you know, everybody knows the backstory, but Brooke and I know each other from skating, you know, professionally 30 years ago. But one of the greatest benefits of it was that we got to travel a lot. And we traveled to countries that have meat pies. And I always wondered, I mean, it's like the perfect, like convenience store food. And yet it's never caught on here. Although I think now finally, maybe you can start to see that it's maybe starting to make its way into the States. But I always wondered why it wasn't more of a thing because it, it is just the, you know, 7-Eleven started bringing in like pizzas and like little uh, taquitos and, you know, all these weird little things. But I feel like they're all just kind of like, you know, uh, band-aids are just sort of like trying to fill the gap that should be mince pies. Yeah. The perfect. Have you, have you ever had, have you ever had a, like a pasty before? Is that the like same little, thing? It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different restaurants around here that have those. I, I'm all for them. I am, I'm of the, the mince pie. Yes. They're, they're the right direction for this world to be going. 
Hell yeah. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we came to consensus on that. If if we have accomplished nothing else here, that makes it all worth it. So thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to turn it over here. Let's bring Jesse on. Nux, you and Jesse know each other, and she's got a little new segment we call "Let's Get It Poppin." Let's get it poppin'. Uh, music fanfare. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. This is the one where we need the sound you? design. <laughs> yes. Maybe Miha can make a track for us. We'll see. Um, hi. <laughs> so there's, there's, I'm loving like the continuity in, in all of the uh, backgrounds here, right? We've got the, the, the meta background, which is the drug receipts background. Then each of us kind of have this like purple hue theme. Um, yeah, there's a really nice visual design here. If only we got to bring the, the audio design up to the, that level. But Jesse, I'm, this is uh, your new section. I'm going to let you introduce it and explain it. And I'm just going to kind of lay out here. Yeah, no problem. Um, cool. So let's get it popping. Uh, I wanted to bring in a new segment, I think, that is a little bit left field, but not so left field. Also makes some good sound bites and just gets to know you, uh, Nux, on a creative standpoint. So without further ado, let's get it popping. First question. You're stuck on a deserted island for like three months. You're going to get rescued. You don't really know yet, but you're going to get rescued time for like three months. Three months. You can only have one album and one snack with you the whole time. What are they? Uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and peanut butter. Okay. What if you get thirsty? Okay. Fair enough. Fair Wait, enough. Uh, did you say, am I allowed to have a drink? Am I only allowed to either drink or eat? Okay. Is that you can the have a drink. You can have a drink. Um, coconut water. I guess I could just use the coconuts, though. Is that cheating? Are you sure? I'm on an me? island. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's right. That's product placement. That's really this shit. Is, this shit slaps. <laughs> Perfect. Water. All right. Next question: Technical analysis son or NFT influencer daughter? Cringy though. <laughs> Technical uh, uh, analyst son because it's basically like having uh, a child that's uh, into astrology, which would be fine. I would totally be okay with that. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. And what's the best Sonic the Hedgehog game, and why is it Sonic Heroes? It is not Sonic Heroes by any stretch of the imagination. Uh oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry to have upset you. Um, it's uh, Sonic the Hedgehog three and Knuckles for the Sega Genesis is potentially one of the greatest games ever. Not just one of the greatest Sonic games um, because. I, I always tell this to people and they're like not anywhere near as excited as I am. So Sonic the Hedgehog three was its own game and Sonic and Knuckles was also its own game, but you could lift the flap of Sonic and Knuckles and it had like a little cartridge thing in it. And you could put Sonic the Hedgehog three into that one. And it created a new game called Sonic the Hedgehog three and Knuckles where you could play as Knuckles in the old Sonic the Hedgehog three game. And after you were done with that, you would continue into all of the other Sonic and Knuckles levels and you'd be able to get more emeralds and it was it was innovative it was very innovative and I've never really seen anything like that um since then so no offense to Sonic Heroes but there you go how do you feel about the uh the divorce that's going on right now between the Sega the Sonic founders and everything there's there's um I feel like that happens a lot with these different companies. Like they just lose sight of who they are and where they're going um, and things like that. And 
Um, the same thing happened. I was talking about my, my Yu-Gi-Oh days. Um, the same thing happened with Upper Deck and Konami. Like they just started to mess with each other and then they started suing each other and whatever. And I think it's the same thing here with Sega. Um, like I loved the Dreamcast, for example. I thought that that was a really great idea and it was a really beautiful like uh, execution of a console. Um, that was my other answer was Sonic Adventure 2 or 1 for the Dreamcast was like primo. Um, and I think that it's just like when you think about that, and then, like, they have all their games, and then now they have the movies. They actually have done a pretty decent job with the movies, I would say. Um, like, just who are you? Like, what are you trying to do? And I, I'll be really interested to see uh, if they ever, like, have Sonic, you know, Sega brands, but specifically, like, Sonic brands in the metaverse, and how they execute, like, a Web3 strategy. Like, if you're listening to this, Sega, I'll work pro bono. Like I'm happy to just give you some consultation. Like let's let's not fuck this up because this is this is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> I think the only way for <laughs> I like that on the nose. Oh, it's perfect. I think I think Sega venturing into the metaverse might be the only way to save the Sonic franchise. We'll see. I feel like they did okay with the movies. Did you watch the movies? I saw the first one. It was pretty good. The I'm sorry, I didn't watch the, the Knuckles, I'm knuckles. sorry. How do you How kick do you somebody off stage? Sorry, <laughs> I'm out of here, I'm out of here. No, 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 okay, we'll change the subject before this gets too polarizing, the Sonic Hive, the gamer Hive comes and infiltrates the space and then we're all screwed. So, next question. What, uh, hold on, I love my train of thought. <laughs> um, what is Keanu Reeves? Keanu, what is Keanu Reeves's best movie in which he looks his best? Ooh. I so we're not going don't... for like. I I feel like I need like a whole catalog in front of me to like look at him in different situations. I feel like John Wick is a is a decent answer like because i feel like it's the right it gives like the most optimal keanu vibe um because i feel like the matrix is almost like too like he just doesn't look like that anymore but i guess that's okay if he doesn't look like that um that's tough that is a very that is a very intricate question but i'm gonna go with the, the john wick trilogy that's the that just gives me like when i think of what keanu reeves looks like that's what that's what nails it the most for me that's I see people in the comments being like, if you don't pick the Matrix, like they're they're threatening me at this point. Um I again it's like picking Knuckles versus Sonic. Like I'm not gonna give you the obvious answer. I appreciate that. No, this is amazing. Well, let's let's switch it up a little bit. So which member of the fluff do you feel most confident you could be in a thumb war? Who okay, ooh. That's tough because honestly, I feel like a lot of them would be really like aggressively like I'm gonna just destroy you. Like they would, they're very competitive. I feel like in a in a fun way, but um, oh, I think if I gave Max Poker enough drinks, I'd be able to beat him super easily. I think that's 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 a that's a good one. Um, otherwise, I'm not gonna lie. I don't feel like I'm the best more person i guess this is changing more into like a know your your strengths kind of thing like I, I i get the concept of it but to me like having to arbitrarily like not move you know your arm a certain way i, I have a hard time following the rules so i'd probably get like a technical knockout and almost anybody could beat me all right all right well, what member of the fluffle would you play a patty cake game with 
Uh, I feel like I feel like Alex, our, our CEO, he he and I would really would do some great great patty cake together. I think he's a uh, he would really play along very well. Actually, no, I take that back. Forget Alex, Jesse. I, I could play patty cake with Jesse Jesse Metcalf all day. That guy, he would he would really make it a good time. No, that's a perfect, perfect, perfect answer. Um, all right, so let's reel it back into us. So we have four characters in the Drug Receipts collection, Cap, Tabby, Rex, and Sirens. Which one is your favorite and why? And don't say all of them, even though we know that's the answer. I love all of them equally. Um, I'm stuck between the, I'm stuck between Tabby, which I feel like is such like a generic answer, but then again, not really because you build like the different, um, you know, communities um, and cap probably. And I think Tabby is like my immediate answer because um, aesthetically, I just think Tabby's look the best. Um, but I think, I think the cap gets me because, you know, of the mystery of like what's inside, like, what do you, what do you like, what is inside of this, this vessel? Of a, of a character. Um, and I think to me that mystery is enough to probably sway me in that direction. Um, like aesthetics aside, just the, the unknown of, I, I don't know, that gets me, that makes me excited. And when I think about drug receipts, like really broadly, um, I do feel like that spirit of what I'll call like the unknown or just like, ex like experimentation and all these different things that we've been talking about. Um, I feel like it's very uh, well, uh, emblem it's emblematic cap is emblematic of that hmm. it's a pretty go. good assessment honestly tabby tabby was um, right there about to cross the finish line and then cap just came out of nowhere and just like ran through the tape yeah yeah i a, think you might have alpha there nice <laughs> right alpha something there uh but we won't get too into it we'll move on so if there was a special nux seeker out there what would be the paint job? What would be the trait? And what would be in the backpack? Mm. Uh, the, the paint would be blossom for sure. Like I was saying earlier, there'd be blo blossom paint, but maybe what would be really cool if I can do whatever I want is have it be like shiny blossom paint or something. Like it's like the glittery kind of thing or whatever, almost like, um, do people know about like the drug receipts? They, they know about like the hoodie and the AR and all that, right? Like that's not leaking for me to, okay. Cause that's already happened. Um, I feel like something like that would be really cool. Like on the seekers paint and like something like, I don't know, popping out of it. Um, and then what trait, what, what did you mean? What trait, like what face or um, arms? Either, or... you know, eyes or arm, whichever. It's a great question. I you can I, even make something I, up. I was just gonna make something up, yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually don't know. I, I think like I, I think like a winking one. I've definitely got like a little yeah, a, a little winking one. I don't are there winking ones? I feel like I have so many I've seen so many different seekers and I don't know if I've seen one that's like actually just winking. I feel like that was that's an easy one. Um and then arm attachments, just something with that's rare but with like good utility, like oh only these ones can do like this really interesting thing. And I, I feel like something related to music would be really cool. Like honestly, like a boom box would be pretty fun. I feel like I would enjoy something like that. Um, and then the backpack. Um, 
the backpack would need to have some sort of meaning to me. I'm very philosophical with you both. You bring this out of me. Um, I don't really <laughs> like stuff. Like I don't really like collecting things like in real life, physical objects very much. I very much like to be non, what's the word? Not super like materialistic. So like whenever I think of like objects, like what's your favorite object? I'm like, I mean, my phone is useful. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. The first thing I thought of was like a crown because of like, you know, attached to my fluff character. And I guess that's kind of fun. But again, I, I don't know if that's necessarily like the, the right answer. So if I think, oh, a joint, I think a joint in the backpack would be awesome. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> you are in Arizona. Like I forget that it's legal there, which is like so crazy of all places. It is. No offense. It is. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. <laughs> No, it's all good. We're all in the what? Well, we're in Texas, so what's that? The Southwest, Midwest, Southwest, something like Southwest. that. Southwest. Yeah, we're all friends. But finally, I think you know we and the folks over at Zero X Zulu want to know: kinship or abyss? What side are you on? Yep, um, abyss, abyss for sure. I, I no, there's nothing against it's is this is the same as my first answer. There's nothing wrong with wanting order, but it's just not where my 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 soul goes automatically. Like I, I like I often show up, especially in my job, being the, the guy who uh, helps everybody, um, you know, bring some sort of structure and system and whatever. Um, but like naturally, and I think this is why I like working with, you know, with artists and working with, you know, people who don't follow like typical educational patterns and stuff like that is I like, I am definitely like a fan of a little bit of chaos. So I would say I, I'm abyss. Um, I've always liked the villains. I love Bowser, you know, I, I like Knuckles who's like right there on the cusp and that just makes sense to me. All right. So there you I go. think we... <laughs> I think we got it popping philosophically and, and intimately and creatively, man. Thank you, Nux, for, for that. We got a lot thank of you, and thank you there. for testing testing your uh, yeah. new format on me. I'm, I'm glad I got to, I feel very honored to be the, the first person to get popped. <laughs> hey, you, pop, you popped our cherry, yeah. <laughs> Someone had to say it, but. So yeah. what's the verdict? I think that was pretty fun. Did you enjoy that, Nux? What do we think? We like that? Mm -hmm. a nice did, new you, did you like getting popped? I, I did. It was it's everything I ever hoped and dreamed of. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Nux, thank you for being on here. Jesse, thank you for that new segment. That was really fun. Uh, Nux, uh, as you know, as we expected, you certainly delivered. That was great conversation, uh, good talks. And hopefully this will just be the beginning, right? We look forward to having more conversations with you uh, down the road. And certainly there's going to be plenty to talk about. Um, this is just such a you know, it's such a new space. There are so many exciting things on the frontier. So really look forward to uh, thinking through these things with you. You offer some uh, unique perspectives and some real uh, depth of thought. So appreciate you very much. Uh, thank you for being on. Thank you so much. I, I super appreciate that. It, this was really fun and I'm excited to do this or something similar. Again, you're, you're both um, very enjoyable to spend time with and talk to. Cool. Appreciate that. Well, we look forward to seeing you down the road. Thank you, Nux. Thanks, everybody. Um, we are going to move on now, since we've got Jesse here, we will move into our routine checkup. Uh, Josh, um, is on our soundboard right now. Cue music or sound effects. No. Okay. Uh, maybe for the next one. Right. There you go. Cool. So routine checkup. Um, and the first thing not to hijack the, the segment here, but I think 
we all know that the first thing we're going to talk about, right, is DRX Travel Co. hoodies. We talked about that the claim forms are live. Um, I don't know, Jesse, I guess I just, I will let you get into this. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, just so you guys know, the uh, DRX Travel Co. hoodies are indeed live. So if you go to claim.drugreceipts.com and you have an eligible token, you can submit uh, your information and access the token gated form where you can fill out all your info and let us know your, your uh, hoodie size and we'll get your DRX Travel Co. hoodie sent to you. Um, I do for a moment want to give a huge shout out to our dev team, to Don, to Nanon, and to the Non-Fungible Labs dev team for helping us really get this smoothly off the ground and make it possible. Um, I think, you know, this, this is really exciting because we know that this isn't the first, or it is the, well, kind of the first, it is not the last uh, merch drop that we do. And this is a really big part of, of drug receipts and who we are. And I think we're, you know, we're looking forward to what's coming up next. Jesse, I'm really glad you said that. You know, I think that this is one of the perhaps underappreciated and kind of uh, under um, acknowledged assets or benefits of being a part of non-fungible labs um, is the kind of tech wherewithal and know-how that we're able to uh, bring to the project. Um, we have our own developers, but it is all under kind of the guidance and the watchful eyes of non-fungible labs. And it, we are held to such a high standard in that regard um, that, you know, it's one thing to make cool merch. I, you know, I've been making cool graphics for a long time. And, uh, you know, we, you, it's, it's another thing to put the product out there and ask people to, to pay for it. But to be able to deliver good user experiences, to be able to have, uh, you know, a claim form behave the way you expect to when people go on to fill it out. And then to know that the product will make it to, you know, to your house after you've purchased it. I mean, all these things add value um, for our holders and for our users. And they also add, I think, um, they add joy to the experience, um, but they don't necessarily get the attention, right? The, the graphics are what we talk about, the augmented reality. Yeah, that's a real showstopper. But if not for these other things that, you know, mostly fly under the radar, then the experience would not, you know, you wouldn't be able to enjoy all the, the marquee items. So absolutely, right. uh, absolutely. Kudos and big round of applause to our, our dev team and everyone that, that makes that stuff possible. Yeah, definitely. I think another thing to remember is that Drug Receipts is a lot of people's very first project. And I do want to reiterate just how lucky we are to have access to amazing development teams that can make our processes, our, the things that really, really count, um, pretty much cred-free for the most part. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. <laughs> So I would, you know, now that we've talked about kind of the behind the scenes guys, I do want to give a little bit of shine to the actual, you know, the, 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 uh, the leading, uh, our, our Keanu Reeves, right. The, the star of the movie. Um, but we have some great footage that we got at NFT NYC of these augmented hoodies, the augmented reality in action. Um, and I'd love to share some of that with you right now. So let's go ahead and bring up the, the first example of Rawlinson walking through NFT NYC wearing his, DRX Travel Co. hoodie.
excited. If that doesn't look like the future of apparel and wearables, I mean, that is just so cool. Um, no, it's amazing. Yeah, one of the things that's that's cool about so we're using a snap lens, a snap filter to do that, and the target for the lens is that character is our cap with the uh, the knapsack, um, and so anywhere that the lens finds that character, and we have stickers of it, we have uh, this character on different shirts, like you see here. But so anywhere that the lens finds that character, it will run the animation, and that leads to some really cool effects. Let's go ahead and take a look at the next one here, the sticker filter, um, just to show how cool it is. So uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah. And, you know, one, one other thing that we should mention is that the whole inspiration for this hoodie release was our collaboration with the Seekers, right? We, it was to commemorate the, the, cool RX pattern skin that they put on the Seekers. Um, and so that's why it kind of has a traveler theme, right? It's got the, the bindle knapsack. Um, but so I, I just, we're gonna take a look at one more video here of this augmented reality, but this one really uh, features and focuses in on the actual, the 3D element, uh, the 3D Seeker that's included. So let's take a look at the last video here of the, uh, the, the Seekers. So crazy. Shout out to Melt with the graphics on the uh, the wall that we saw there. Those guys are so talented. So crazy. Um, and, with the, and with the animation. I mean, yeah, Melt was a big yeah. part of getting this thing done. So we're, we're really lucky to have access to, to so many great and talented partners. Um, and, you know, Josh has become like a, a really close friend and close to the, the brand as well. He's always, we had him on the last podcast. He's, he's usually in our AMAs. We love to have his insights and his input, and we love working with him uh, on on these animations and the 3D. Uh, but how cool is it seeing that thing, the, that augmented reality come to life, and those seekers spinning around with the skin? You know, this was we talked a little bit about about it with Nux, but you know, this was the first proof of concept, right? Showing what the future of apparel looks like, the future of wearables, and kind of the the uh, everything in between, right? Because we are we are bridging that gap, that divide between URL wearables and IRL apparel. Um, and we offer both. And then seeing people like this, seeing videos like this where people wear the product and through the augmented reality, it's able to come to life. I mean, that, there's just no more clear demonstration kind of what the future can look like. And it's something that really gets people stoked and energized um, about the, the future of apparel, but also about drug receipts as an innovator in this space and kind of leading brands into this new territory. Really, really exciting and great stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's a really cool continuation, I think, of just your creative legacy and how it's merging now with the way that, you know, merchandise, fashion, culture, everything is changing right before our eyes. We really are right at the cutting edge of everything. So it's very exciting. And just to put a, a fine point on it, to make it just crystal clear, so that hoodie that we featured in those videos, um, we made 500 NFTs, which were released, 
each NFT came with a digital 3D wearable, right? So that is a 3D uh, digital version of the hoodie that you will be able to put on to fluffs one day. You will be able to put it onto your party bear. Uh, maybe you will be able to put it onto crypto walkers. I mean, that it's just a matter of basically getting the uh, the approval and the blessing from uh, the community, and then we just basically we we add our hoodie to their server, and you can connect your wallet and and put it on. Um, so everybody who purchased one of those NFTs got that 3D digital wearable, but you also get to claim an IRL in real life uh, version of the hoodie, something that you can wear uh, in in real life. Um, and uh, that's why we're talking about the claim form. So that you're able to claim those as of today, probably just about an hour or two before we even started this broadcast. So anyone who was lucky enough to get in on um, that limited release of 500 NFTs. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, go and claim your hoodie. Uh, we, the hoodies already exist. So it is kind of first come first serve based on the sizes. Although we think that we've got enough of everything. Everyone should be accommodated. Um, but yeah, super excited to be able to get those out and can't wait till you get them in your hands and you guys are posting your own footage of your augmented reality hoodies. Yeah, definitely. And another word from, um, I'm getting pinged by our devs right now, that uh, if you guys go to the DRX Travel Co. OpenSea, you can actually filter out um, which hoodies have been claimed and which have not been claimed in case you're uh, looking to get an unclaimed hoodie. Yeah, that's an While important they So yeah, as part of uh, as part of the process here with uh, releasing the claim forms, we've also updated the metadata on all of the NFTs on OpenSea on the secondary market. And so, oh, do we have, let's go ahead and show the clip. Oh, do we, what was the verdict? Did we ever find that clip? Jesse, the uh, the one that shows the claim <gasps> versus unclaimed? Uh, uh, well, we it's, it's, in, it's in the drive, but. John, did we, did we have that so. video? No clip. Okay. No clip. Uh, so. But basically what it is right now, right on OpenSea, each, uh, each one of the uh, preview images has, will have a little banner on it. You can see it right now if you go to OpenSea and look at the DRX Travel Co. hoodies. But so there's a little gold banner that says that there, the hoodie is unclaimed, basically. When you see that gold banner, you know that you can, when you buy that NFT on the secondary market, you can still claim the IRL hoodie that comes with it. Uh, but once that hoodie is claimed, that, that gold banner changes to a pink banner that says uh, already claimed or something like that. So it's very easy to see which ones have been claimed and which haven't been claimed. But also, since the metadata has been updated, it's an actual property. So you can just go into the properties of the collection and you can search for claimed or unclaimed and it will filter them. So you can see all the ones that are unclaimed that are still available. So very, very easy to use. Just another example of us trying to maximize the user experience with good UI and UX. So if you're following along in our Discord, you can see what we're talking about with the uh, with the banners. Uh, cool, amazing. Um, anything else on the on the uh, hoodies that I'm forgetting? Not really. I think that it's going to be exciting to see how the floor um, changes on the uh, the Arx Travelco hoodie. It'll be fun, but um, I think we should skip and see what these hoodies look like in real life. Well, so we talked about guys when you when you get these things. Finally, we can't wait to see what kind of content you guys post and share with them. Um, I sent uh, 
since uh, since we had all the product made and we had it live at NFT NYC, that's when we debuted not only the hoodies, but also the complimentary merch, things like this t-shirt that I'm wearing now, right? Which is super snug and cool. But so I sent a little package of all this stuff out to my daughter, who's a college student at UT, because she's, you know, she's on the university fashion group in Austin. Uh, her friends are like, they're the, the coolest trendsetters, you know, in Austin. Um, just really a cool... Uh, a, a cool group um, out there and a lot of photographers and a lot of artists. And so I just sent them some the stuff and I said, uh, Lulu, uh, my daughter, I'm like, Lulu, get us some photos. I just want to see what y'all get with these, uh, with this, uh, the product um, and didn't really give them any parameters. I'm just like, here's the product. Give us something cool. Uh, and I love what they sent us. You know, it's just so awesome. Right. Uh, and we have a little slideshow. So Joel, and let's go ahead and show some photos. And this is the hoodie and the shirts, you know, it's just a simple thing. Um, so that's my daughter there on the right. And that's her, actually her boyfriend on the left. And so this is like a, you know, talk about like a disparity in, in size and shape here. She's a tiny little woman at about five foot. And he is, he actually plays football for the University of Texas. He is six foot five. And just to give you an idea, so she's wearing a small hoodie. He's wearing a 2X. So we can accommodate all, all sizes, all genders, all shapes. Yeah. Cool stuff. So they, good. The, the hoodies are so cool, right? With that tie-dye body, uh, just it just gives them just kind of a little added uh, flair. <laughs> I like that you didn't just go with a plain black hoodie. I think that it was cool that you went and did the the tie-dye. It added so much depth. It almost looks like it's electrifying. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Well, we're you know we're always looking for ways to like differentiate, right? Give a little bit of uh, of the unexpected, a little bit of surprise, surprise and delight, right? <laughs> to the best of our ability. So this is the there on the left is the have a nice trip one that have a nice trip trip t-shirts just like the one that I'm wearing. But the one on the right is it is it actually is a different shirt. That's mind altering substance. So just a couple of examples of the cool stuff that we can do with drug receipts merch. Yeah, definitely. I remember when that made its premiere at Blading Cup, but I think this is a different colorway, yeah. Exactly. That's a new colorway. Uh-huh. Very cool. So good. And you notice oh, that wow. right? These, these are men and women wearing this stuff. So this is all unisex. And, you know, it, the, the, the way that these things can be styled is, is limited only by your own imagination. Yeah, this is incredible work. I cannot wait for what we got coming in the pipeline, which I'm not going to say anything, but I cannot wait for more just well thought out well-designed, you know, complete collections. I think it's so good. And, and I should say at the, you know, at the risk of doxing people here, but the woman there on the left is uh, my daughter's roommate, Bella. And she actually took the photos. I mean, I guess technically she couldn't have taken this one. I don't think because she's in it, but it was her camera. She sent us the drive. So Bella basically set up the shoot. So, uh, you know, a lot of uh, respect and appreciation and thanks going out to her and to all of them. Uh, their whole crew that that made this possible. The results are just so so snug and cool. Yeah, definitely. And I can't wait to see what everyone else submits and all the other. You know, just I, I'm so excited to see the merch in action. I think that's the best part. Yeah, and I, you know, I have a soft spot for like photos like this stuff that's just a little out of left field. It's not conventional. Um, and so as we talk about, you know, just the excitement around seeing what what all the drug snugglers do once they have their own product. 
And, you know, we're talking about shipping out the, the hoodies once you fill out your claim forms. And that's limited to the 500 hoodies that were available with the NFT drop. Um, but all the other t-shirts there are going to be available in our store once we get the drugstore up. And so anybody anywhere, regardless of what tokens you hold or not, will be able to get their hands on drug receipts merch. So uh, I can't wait to see what everybody does um, once they get their get their hands on their own merch. Um, if you do happen to be a drug smuggler who is an NFT holder, then you will get special pricing on that merch. Um, and there probably will be like colorways and things that might not be accessible to the general public that you also will have access to. But so there are, there are perks and privileges that come with being a, a drug receipts NFT holder, but there, the, the product will be available to anyone. Yeah. And that, and that's how, you know, just one of the ways that we are changing up how, you know, people think about merch in this, uh, in this new age. So it's super exciting. There are lots of perks coming down the road uh, to being a drug smuggler that we are just really excited to roll out. So, but, um, yeah. but no, I mean, you know, even not just limited, you know, we do have some news, uh, I think regarding the, the larger ecosystem too, um, that really does give way to all the possibilities that we have down the line. Uh, real quick, I do wanna mention in case you guys might not know, um, but the the Futureverse has the Futureverse is here, and in case you might have missed some of the news, um, Keanu no I'm sorry Alexandra Grant and her husband Keanu Reeves uh, are part of the Futureverse Foundation here at Nonfungible Labs, and they are you know um, tasked with empowering and underrepresented artists and creators in the space. Um, but not only that, Futureverse has also impacted our ecosystem on a larger scale, I think so far what we can see is a lot more inclusivity across the ecosystems. There's been a lot more collaborations and there's been a lot more bridging of networks that you know we haven't, this is definitely marking a new era, I think for all non-fungible labs projects, whether it's directly under the non-fungible umbrella or um, you know, outlier projects there is a lot, a lot, a lot of more collaboration. Um, and it's really, really exciting, you know? I think that there's something that I do wanna reiterate that it's much better to be the nice guy in the room than the cool guy. Um, you know, the nice guy reaches out and empowers people and wants to work together. And the cool guy just sits in the corner hoping, you know, somebody will come up and talk to them. Um, so, I think with all that, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the continuous evolution of how our ecosystem's sentiment is changing. It's moving in a more collaborative, collective direction. And the Futureverse only adds to that sort of excitement. So it's gonna be good stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm honestly, I'm not gonna add that much here. I think that the, the next couple of items we're happy just to let you give us updates on. Yeah, no worries. I mean, our guys, uh, the Senate, let me give you an update on that. So last week we created the Senate. Right now we have 11 core members with two seats pending that we will be hand selecting and choosing. Um, in case you guys may not know, this effort is to better connect with our community and hear the concerns of so many snugglers. Um, and, you know, really take into consideration what they're feeling, how they're feeling, and 
move and shift our direction into a way that I think acknowledges some of the um, concerns or um, you know ideas that our community has. Uh, you know, drug receipts is drug receipts, but you know our community does have an impact in these directions that we move. You know, it's kind of like how do I say? Um, like a ping pong ball, you know, where it's just kind of like we're the ball, but the community is like the bumpers. You know what I mean? So it's going to go where it goes. But um, but yeah, no, last week at a great meeting where we just really got to know everyone on, you know, a, a more one on one scale. And it was so great to see just the various different backgrounds that everybody has and how it, it's just all coming together. And you can say that you know, the Senate has a very diverse and um, what's another word for this diverse and multicultural background with people from all different walks of life, walks of the world, different occupations that we feel really do give justice and represent our community really well. Um, but to reiterate, the Senate is not an insider group and all the information that is said in these meetings is free to the public as well. So next week, for our next meeting, senators, I would like you guys to think about, you know, what kind of collaborations you would like to see in the future, whether it's within our own ecosystem or outside of it. Now, keep in mind, you know, the Futureverse is here and has truly changed the sentiment and the way that we are interacting with one another. So collaborations are more possible than ever now. So it's going to be super, super, super excited. Um, but yeah, any suggestions, you guys are free to make it in the town hall uh, chat on Discord, and we'll get right to you. So, you know, it's such a it's such a luxury. Like, I, I try to be so focused, like throughout the whole podcast here. But then when it goes, you know, when it's one up and it's just you, and I know that I'm off camera, like it, it gives me a second to like look at the Discord and see what people are posting and read the comments. And it's so much fun. Like, there's such great content going on over there. But it's also so dangerous because it's, it, it really is distracting. Uh, but yeah, so thanks for the wrap up on the Senate. Um, I, I, no, I just we all have ADHD. Exactly, yeah. And it, the, the Discord is like so funny, it's going off. Um, and if you're not in the Discord, it's definitely a better experience, you know, enjoying the podcast when you're also getting the supplemental content that's going on in the Discord. Um, I did want to reiterate one point that Jesse made about the Senate, and that is that, you know, uh, that nothing that is shared with the Senate or within the Senate is uh, is privileged information. Um, everything that happens in the Senate, all the suggestions that are made, any information that we share uh, will is also available to the entire community. Um, uh, the all senators, all the Senate members will be answering questions um, after every session when we have a meeting, uh, as will we. Um, so yeah, so don't I just don't want anyone to have the impression that there's some kind of like secret alpha or something that goes on in the Senate hearings. That's just not the case. Uh, okay, yeah. So cool. What else, Jesse? Um, the drug receipts website 2.0. We're getting a facelift. Um, <laughs> so what we can expect now that we've got the hoodies out of the way and you know we've got further collaborations to look forward to on the horizon. Internally, drug receipts is developing in its brand nature as well. Um, the drug inspector is on the pipeline in the horizon where you can finally download the additional assets and transparent PNGs that we have so long been talking about. 
Um, it is so close, we can taste it. And we're super, super stoked at just the endless possibilities that having a transparent PNG, um, a 16 by nine, a nine by 16, and uh, a one, one ratio and one one expanded version of your drug receipts uh, are gonna do in terms of you know what you're able to create uh, from anywhere between merch to memes to really anything. Um, and that might give some of our uh, more Photoshop at uh, snugglers a bit of a break. Yeah, <laughs> it'll give acrobatics a rest. Yeah, definitely. Um, but no, you know, and and again, guys, we are so lucky to have such an incredible dev team. Don and Nan um, have been hard at work behind the scenes, not only getting the hoodie stuff up, but also getting the drug inspector and the drug receipts 2.0 website uh, up and running. So, um, and not to mention, we are working on a tool that will, uh, we think, help enhance your shopping experience and make you a more educated shopper. But that's all I'll say. Cool. Yeah. Very, very, very mysterious and provocative. I wonder what that's about. Cool. Great. What could it be? Uh, Jeff, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, cool. Well, that was a that was a fun, nice, good double dose of Jesse there, right? We got the... Uh, um, let's get it popping right into the routine checkup. So Jesse, thank you for all that great content. We're going to move into the final segment here, which is our controlled substance. Music, fanfare, title, controlled substance. Cool. Awesome. Nailed it. Looks great. Bum, bum, bum. So this is the, uh, portion of the show where we get into some skeptical talk. Um, drug receipts is a brand founded on, uh, pillars. Art and subversion, science and skepticism, community and sport, and we try to uh, we try to put those pillars into practice. Uh, it's not just talk, uh, you know. It's what the brand really is about. Uh, we showed you one of the T-shirts that's available uh, that uh, that will be available in the store, the substance shirt, but it has all the pillars uh, listed right on it. Uh, so we incorporate it into our marketing, into our branding into our apparel, but we also try to demonstrate it in our communications and in the things that we uh, promote um, through all the channels that are available to us. So one of the things that we like to do is include some skeptical content here in, uh, in the podcast when we can. We save it for the end of the show because we know that these things get long, so we don't want to keep you all trapped here waiting to hear the information from Jesse if you're waiting for some news updates or uh, we don't want to keep you from the great content that our special guests always provide. So we put nuts right up front. But for those of you that have the uh, the patience and the appetite for it, we uh, encourage you to stick around and um, join us as we go through some of this skeptical content. And for those of you that have to jump off or that don't make it all the way to the end, the nice thing is that these episodes are recorded. And so it will always be there for your consumption whenever you are ready. That said, let's get into it. So this is not going to be, honestly, hardcore skepticism, although it is related, and there are there will be some uh, decidedly skeptical themes that come up in the conversation. Uh, and I almost wish I'd been able to keep Nux around for the conversation, because I think I'd really love to hear his input on some of these things. Uh, but maybe once we get these conversations going, then we can put them out there into the universe, into the metaverse, into the futureverse, and then maybe some more conversations will pop up around them. Um, 
man, and I just got totally distracted and it's not by discord. It's not by the YouTube chat. It's by the Google document window that I have open so I can read my notes and there's a share button on there. I'm going to have to screenshot this and put it into the discord. And I just realized for the first time that the share button has an icon on it that looks like a rollerblade for some weird reason. Is this, is this the worst kind of uh, left field tangent? I'm just going to put this out there. See what happens. Tell me that that little icon doesn't look like a boot with wheels or like tank treads. Okay, so I have a blog um, long before drug receipts. In fact, I don't know how long I've had it, probably at least 10 years or something. Um, I have a blog called Skeptic Tattoos. And you'll see here, right, because I, uh, because I am so transparent and, and vain and, uh, you know, predictable, right, that I wear clothes that show my tattoos because I have tattoos, so I wear clothes. Honestly, I was wearing V-necks and scoop tees before the tattoos also, but there's no question that I think the tattoos make the whole look even cooler. But so they're all science-based, skeptically-based tattoos. You ever wonder what this is besides a couple of male nipples? Um, this is a, an etching taken from one of Copernicus's journals where he wrote uh, about the, um, the motion of the planets around the sun. And it was before they had the means, before he had any tools to actually observe and uh, do some experimental um, uh, proofs to see whether or not his mathematical predictions were correct. But he basically came up with a mathematical model that explained the way that the planets orbit around the sun. And this was notable because up until then, sort of the biblical understanding of the heavens um, was that everything revolved around the earth, the, the sun and the moon and everything else. And as um, mathematical uh, uh, knowledge became more sophisticated, people started to be able to kind of calculate the way that the rotations work. And so they had to create such convoluted, complicated um, uh, equations to account for the way the sun and the earth and the moon and all the other planets would have to be moving in order to get around the sun. And so Copernicus figured, you know, it, uh, rightfully so from where we're standing, but figured that there had to be a more simple, more elegant solution to, to the planetary motion or to the motion of all these um, ethereal bodies. And so what he came up with was basically a pretty good description of how the planets and the sun and the moon actually all, I mean, how the earth rotates around the sun and how the planets and everything else all rotate around the sun. And it wouldn't be until uh, later when uh, Galileo, uh, you know, came up with, uh, improved the technology of telescopes and started doing some real empirical um, observation that we were able to confirm that that, you know, that it is in fact true that the, um, that the, planets revolve around the sun and not the other way around. Uh, but so this is a tattoo that uh, commemorates um, this sort of major achievement in um, scientific history, right? This is the beginning of, of moving kind of the way that we understand the cosmos, the way that we understand reality, moving it out of the realm of uh, theologians and religions and kind of uh, thinkers, uh, philosophers, and moved it into the realm of um, what would become science and, you know, an, an empirical understanding of reality. Uh, so that's what this is. And so all my tattoos have stories like that, right? Uh, you guys will recognize um, this candle here, because if you could see that banner, you would know that it says E. Cree. 
and we have an e-creek handle in our drug receipts collection, right? So all these things are skeptically and science-based, uh, science-themed. And so I have a, uh, a blog where I post stories just like the one that I told you about Copernicus. Um, so I post pictures of the tattoos, and then I also will uh, provide some kind of an explanation or description of what the tattoo is about and, you know, by extension, what kind of the scientific um, or skeptical um, idea is about. Just kind of my little way of trying to spread scientific and skeptical um, uh, education. Um, so periodically I will add blogs um, to, I'll add a blog post to this um, oft neglected website of mine, Skeptic Tattoos. The rate lately is I'm lucky if I get about one blog post up a year, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and in my defense, I will say that the, the articles usually tend to be kind of long and uh, researched and I like to think thoughtful. Um, so it's not like it's not like I'm just able to crank them out. Uh, but the last one in particular, the one that I'm going to talk about today, I started writing it when my daughter was in high school. She was a senior in high school. And I wrote it about a back tattoo at that at the time that I wanted to get. And the back tattoo was inspired by um, a book that I read by Sam Harris. The book's called Free Will. So the tattoo is inspired about kind of the discussions around free will and whether it exists or not, whether we have free will or not, whether we are free to make uh, free choices. Um, and when I started writing it, my daughter was a senior in high school. Well, now she is... <laughs> Now she's a senior in college. She's about to graduate college. So that's how long it took me to write this thing because I only just finally published it about uh, a month ago. Joellen, can we show a picture of the back tattoo? Because, and by the way, I, I wrote this thing when I was thinking about getting the tattoo. Well, I have it now. And the tattoo took, you know, months itself to get. Um, you can see there on the left in the bottom, uh, it says not in control. And it's got a little, uh, the mast it used to steer the ship with. I think that I forget what those things are called. And then on the right, it's got a compass and it says not lost. So not in control, not lost. And it's got a ship there in a stormy sea. <laughs> and it's got a banner across the shoulders, which says antisocial. That is not a part of the new tattoo. That is one of the first tattoos that I ever got when I was a young, angsty, you know, almost teenager, maybe young 20s. And, you know, I really wanted to stick it to the man, I guess. Or I don't know. I just had, I, I was really, really, uh, I guess, adamant about some kind of like a, an expression of discontent or malcontent, right? Uh, antisocial. So cool. But for whatever reason, I still have antisocial. I'd considered actually lasering off antisocial and replacing something in the banner that said the storm, but whatever. So that's my back tattoo now. I have that tattoo. And so the article that I posted on skeptic tattoos, you can see the little logo of it there in the bottom right corner. The the article that I posted was about the getting this tattoo. In part, it was about whether I should get it or not. And in part, it was about what the meaning of it is. Um, it's about the Sam Harris uh, passage, uh, even the entire Sam Harris book um, that inspired this, right? Uh, you are, uh, um, yeah, about the ship lost at sea as a kind of like as a metaphor for consciousness or for like how we, you know, how we, uh, how we make thoughts. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about this, about this concept of free will. 
uh, because I think that it's very interesting or it presents some very interesting questions as we start thinking about going into the metaverse um, or as we start giving more and more of our lives and more and more of our decision making over to uh, algorithms and to AI. Uh, we are going to, at some point, and probably some point very soon, we're going to start bumping up against some really interesting questions. And I've never really heard people articulate it in this way, at least not in so in so far as it relates to free will. Um, you know, even now that that Keanu Reeves has been brought into the futureverse, and now that he's a part of the non-fungible labs ecosystem, and the matrix, which has become like the shorthand for like, you know, making choices, like if, if we had the choice, you know, red pill or blue pill, would you rather stay in a, uh, a, a manufactured reality where things might be, you know, might be nice, relatively comfortable, or do you prefer uh, reality, however grim, you know, do, do, would you rather be free? Would you would you rather be free to make a free choice, uh, even knowing the consequences? Um, the thing that I don't think that we ever quite get to when we talk about the matrix is what the real question is. There is what a real matrix would look like, because it would not be our uh, it would not be our brains hooked up to a simulated reality where we are making choices within the matrix. It would actually be a simulated reality where we are not making choices at all. We are basically actors in a, a movie or a simulated reality version of our own lives. Um, if you can imagine, uh, for those of us that use Google Mail, when you uh, already now, when you, when you start writing an email to someone, the uh, predictive text will guess what you're going to write next. And it just doesn't guess what the next word is. It's guessing entire sentences. In some cases, before you even, even started writing anything, it will guess what you want to reply just based on what was sent to you. If someone says, here's the, the new shirt graphics we're thinking of, you'll have a few choices already set up in your email. It says, looks great, thanks, or uh, you know, I'll get back to you in a minute. And in a lot of cases, they are exactly what we would already write. And so it's easy just to click on it and say yes, or just take the, pre, uh, the prefab answer. Um, but so if you can imagine, just keep stretching this out further and further as, as these predictive texts get smarter and smarter, as our AIs get smarter and smarter. Um, there's already AI that can write entire articles and you wouldn't know that they weren't written by a human. Um, there's already AI that, that makes perfectly fine uh, art. Um, the thingies already are out there making art. Um, so it's not that hard to imagine that we will get to a place where these decisions will be, met, be made better and better on our behalf and where what the AI um, and the predictive text would do would be, will become indistinguishable from what we would have done ourselves. Um, you can almost all, already see this in the algorithms of Instagram and YouTube, right? Already, I am happy to sit down in front of YouTube and I don't even have to really think of what I wanna watch I just wait and see what the algorithms provide up to me, and I am perfectly entertained uh, by the content that's provided. Similarly, when I'm on Instagram and uh, flipping through my feed, the ads that the Instagram filters, uh, that the Instagram algorithms are giving me are exactly what I want to see. I'm like, that shirt is cool. I love those shoes. Yeah, I want to buy, you know, I want to buy, uh, I want to buy that um, weird little uh, tea, uh, coaster for, you know, for when I'm having hot tea. Uh, it, it's gotten to a point where it's become like a joke, but, you know, I, I admit that the algorithms know me better than I know myself. Um, 
Selena gave me a, uh, a coffee mug recently that had a picture of uh, one of these bizarre ads that actually I received in my Instagram feed. And in this case, I'm not, I'm not sure that Instagram nailed me uh, or knew me better than I know myself, but I was getting these weird ads for like these really eccentric, bizarre, like, uh, um, like suits, like with like mesh undershirts, but were like crop tops and guys with like sculpted, like looked like painted on beards and like these, you know, purple, like uh, blazers, crop top blazers with like kind of like, um, you know, uh, really tight pants, whatever. Um, it, it looked like, it looked like this stuff is, is for, uh, I don't even know how you would describe it, like really uh, fashion forward gay men, maybe. Uh, I don't even know fashion forward is the right word because in most cases stuff looks so um, absurd. Uh, but whatever the case, you know, I had, I, I was confronted with this real um, conundrum where I'm looking at this stuff going, you know, who does Instagram think I am? Why does it think that this is the kind of stuff I'd be inter interested in? But really what I have to had to ask myself and what I kind of had to come to terms with was, well, I think these algorithms know me better than I know myself. So who am I to question Instagram? Maybe this is what I'm really interested in. Maybe that is who I really am. Uh, and so Selena took one of these pictures because I sent it to her. I'm like, who, who does Instagram think I am? I sent her one of these weird suits, one of these weird guys in these weird suits. And she put it on a coffee mug, gave it to me. Um, and I think one of the quotes that I, I wrote when I sent it to her, I'm like, who am I, right? <laughs> if this is who Instagram thinks I am, then who am I? And so it, it, it's just a funny little thing. But so what, what is funny in that is actually also kind of um, illuminating and maybe even terrifying that the algorithms do know us, right, better than we know ourselves. And at some point, uh, the algorithms could not only be giving me stuff that absolutely I'm interested in, but then at some point you just, you can take me out of the process entirely, right? It knows what I want. Uh, it knows how to get it. And so those things could just start showing up on my, on my doorstep and I'll be happy to receive them. But you just keep pushing that further and further until where it gets to the point where it's not even sure that we ever, you don't ever have to make any decision, right? So that if you plugged into the matrix, all you do is you experience, right? You sit back and you experience, which is already kind of what we do with um, with movies anyway, anyway, right? Or when we binge um, Stranger Things, we are kind of are turning off our brains, at least our you know our decision making brains for a couple of hours at a time, or if we're binging it for six hours at a time. But we are living in the experiences of someone else. We are experiencing. Um, joy and pain and uh, um, love uh, and heartbreak and all these things, but vicariously. Uh, but we are not actually making any decisions. It's just sort of like this um, this experiential roller coaster that we're on. And those kinds of experiences will only get more pronounced, more immersive, more compelling um, as you know as the technology gets better, as we move into the metaverse, as we have our headgear or you know our implanted chips, whatever it is. Um, so all of these things are interesting uh, conversations that I think are worth having because we are right on the precipice. These things are, I think, much closer than we think. Um, but boy, so what does that all have to do with my tattoo? So the tattoo is about determinism, right? It's about free will. And the idea is that all the insights uh, that we have learned from physics, uh, and man, how, how lucky are you guys that you've had, to, you've had the joy of looking at this image the whole time and have not had to um, suffer through my 
uh, wincing face as I try to find the right words to get through this. Uh, but so um, we know that we live in a causal universe, right? Every action is, um, is determined by preceding um, causes and events that uh, have to occur um, outside of our awareness and outside of um, our control, right? And so when we think about a thought, for instance, right? Uh, where do thoughts come from? We have this experience, this intuitive feeling and this experiential um, phenomenon where it feels like we make decisions, right? I can choose, if, if the waitress asks me if I want coffee or tea, I think about it and there's a lot of uh, uh, factors that will play into it, but I'm making a decision uh, whether or not I would like to have coffee or tea. At least that's what it feels like. Uh, but what we actually know about the universe and about reality is that that's not really possible. Um, there is no point where we can ever tell ourselves uh, to think a thought, for instance. Um, by the time a thought has, by the time a decision has been arrived at and the words come out of our mouth, these are all things that are happening. Um, at least the, uh, the, the beginning of these processes are all things that are happening outside of our, our awareness and beyond our control. Um, and if we think about this hard for a second, we can we can kind of see where the, the limits of our awareness uh, end, begin and end, right? Um, you know, try to, to try to have any thought, right? Uh, if I ask you right now, um, do you have a preference for, oh no, uh, there's a thought experiment that Sam Harris does, right? He says, uh, you know, think of a city, right? Any city in the world. And then he gives us a second, we, we think about it. Um, and, you know, cities are going through our heads, right? Uh, in fact, each of you out there, you can do it right now. Think of a city. Um, I'm thinking of one also. Uh, and now before, and before you settle on a decision, think about the process that's happening while you're thinking. Um, go ahead and, and change it. Let's think about a different city. But this time when you think about a different city, try to be aware of the process that's going on in your mind as you think of it, right? And so you're thinking of, right, New York. London, like there's sort of this list of cities that are playing in your head. Um, but I'm guessing, uh, and who knows, uh, but uh, I would guess that uh, none of you or not many of us are thinking of Iowa City, right? Iowa City is a city in Iowa. I'm just, I'm thinking of it right now because uh, one of my, uh, one of my coworkers at my father's agency is from Iowa City. Uh, but it's not a city that comes to mind for most of us. Oh, actually, no, forget, forget Iowa City. I have to do a better example, honestly, than that. Um, uh, I bet none of us thought of, uh, um, geez, what's a, what's a city? Uh, Manchester, okay? We've all heard of Manchester, England, right? We Probably London came up for most of us. Um, but the point is here, whatever the city is, the fact is there are hundreds or at least dozens of cities that we are all aware of, but that it did not even occur of us, uh, it did not even occur to us to think of or to consider. Um, and so where we are given this free thought, right? This, this completely free thought, right? There is, there is no coercion. There is no one holding a gun to our head. Um, there is no uh, undue influence. It's just a, it's a free and open thought, but really we are limited by whatever choices uh, our brain gave us, right? This, this just sort of this limited Rolodex of cities that popped into our head for whatever reason. We don't know how they got there. We don't know why we're thinking of them. And for each one of us, if we make, you know, if we came to a conclusion, we, you know, if your city was New York, you might say, oh, well, 
you know, my, my family and I traveled to New York last week or last month. And so it's kind of on our brain, or we've been talking about NFT NYC. We'll all come up with these narratives for why the, the city came up or why it was there. But the truth is we don't really know where they come from or why, why they're there. Um, they're all the result of processes that are going on in our brains outside of our awareness. Um, to be sure, they're they are the result of our influences, um, external, internal, uh, all the things that we've ever experienced or confronted, the things that are going on around us, the temperature of the room, maybe what's playing on the TV or the radio. Uh, but the fact is that we don't have control over those things. And because there is not a way that you can tell yourself, think of New York, right? Or I want New York to be one of the, the options that I consider. Because even the idea to do that, to tell yourself to think of New York becomes an infinite, uh, uh, an infinite uh, regress, right? Um, where you can never, you never get to the point where, where you, you figure out where that actual inspiration for the idea is coming from. So anyway, so all that is to say we live in a deterministic universe and uh, determinism and physics and everything that we know about reality says that free will cannot be possible, right? Free will does not exist. And so this has weird uh, implications for everything that we know about existence. It is completely counterintuitive for how we experience the world. If any of you are wondering, and I'm sure that none of you are, but the reason that we're talking about the tattoo and the reason that the tattoo became um, fodder for a skeptical blog, and the reason I'm talking it now in a skeptical uh, conversation, uh, because free will in and of itself is not really a skeptical um, conversation or concept, uh, but the idea of the conversation moving from the realm and the purview of um, theologians and philosophers is... There's a lot of similarity between what happened with uh, Copernicus hundreds of years ago, where before Copernicus, before Galileo, um, before we had the tools to actually look and measure and observe the universe and the, the, the motion of the planets, um, what we were left with was people who could think about it. And the, you know, the greatest thinkers you know, in history um, put their minds on this and they, they we owe them a huge debt of gratitude, right? There, is a, uh, there, there have been a lot of great insights that came from the great philosophers, the great theologians of history. But once the science catch up, catches up, once um, we have the ability to kind of uh, uh, um, observe and um, gather uh, data and um, subject these things to methodical and systematic observation and insights, well, then we are able to start replacing kind of the speculative uh, insights that come from philosophy and from religion. We start replacing those things with insights from observation, from science. That's how we move from creation to evolution. That's how we move from uh, uh, helio, uh, move from an Earth-centric view of the world to a heliocentric view, like the one that we have now, where we revolve around the sun. And so in that way, our just our, our um, knowledge... Um, and our, our knowledge of reality just keeps getting uh, more and more complete. And so this is kind of like a monumental shift in knowledge that is happening right in our own time, right underneath our noses right now, where the, the human mind, the next frontier is, which has been something that has really been um, shielded from us, has been shielded from serious scientific scrutiny and inquiry for so long, but now through innovations in technology where we, able, we, are, we are able to actually look at the brain in detail and observe what it does, and we're coming up with real um, uh, data, 
we are we are seeing the 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 movement of the discussion moving away from philosophers and theologians, and it's moving into the realm of the hard science hard sciences, which is exciting for the future of you know what we will know about the brain. Um, and this you know and and as already mentioned, the implications of this for once we start going into the metaverse are you know as we're you know concurrently we are seeing all these innovations in technology around. Um, our experiences um, with, you know, with uh, immersive headwear and lenses, um, you know, the, the convergence of these two things where we know more and more about the way our brains are working uh, and we are getting uh, more and more sophisticated um, innovation in terms of technology and ways to um, engage the brain. Uh, there's going to be a point where we reach a kind of um, singularity although the singularity means something very specific, but this is a kind of singularity where uh, the two might become indistinguishable, right? The, the, the super advanced technology um, creating these experiential or these experiences um, that, you know, that require our brain to be engaged um, and what our brains are actually doing, right? The, the line between those two things will start to become blurred to the point where they might even, it, the two things might just be indistinguishable from one another. Um, Geez, that was sort of a, a long, weird, meandering thought. Um, and I honestly, I had other topics that go along with it. Um, actually, I will entertain one other brief idea that goes with it because a conversation that came up at NFT NYC, uh, we went out to dinner um, one night and one of my friends was saying, uh, someone who was not at the conference, but someone who lived in New York. So she came out to dinner with us and she was saying, you know, I'm not really sold on this whole metaverse thing. And this isn't an argument or a complaint that all of us hear often, right? Um, uh, the the fear and uncertainty and the doubt that comes around just the concept um, of the metaverse, uh, because people have these visions of you know of uh, teenagers or people basically uh, they they envision us as being zombies, right, in headsets or glued to our phones or whatever, um, and just having these online experiences, but basically otherwise disengaged from reality. And so this is what she was saying. She was like, you know, I, you know, I prefer reality. Like I want to be out in nature and I think that our kids should be out in nature. And I'm scared of, you know, of, you know, kids spending too much time in front of screens um, or, you know, I'm scared of the prospect of kids choosing to spend their time, the recreational time in the metaverse instead of spending their time, you know, at the park, for instance. And so I challenged her on this. I said, well, why is that necessarily so? Um, and I brought up in particular, there are a couple of, I think, specific, um, uh, skeptical themes here at play, some, uh, logical fallacies that have already been identified, but that are happening right here. And one is what's called the appeal to nature. Um, this is where people, and this is just an intuitive feeling that we all have. Um, but the, you know, there is this innate feeling, this intuitive feeling that things that are natural must be. Um, by their virtue, better for us or just better. Um, you see it with food all the time, right? All these products that tout that they are natural or have natural ingredients. Um, people who uh, complain about chemicals, you know, they say things like, oh, I will only eat food that has ingredients that I can pronounce, right? The idea being that somehow chemicals uh, must be bad for you, even though everything really is made of chemicals anyway. So it's sort of an odd distinction to make. Um, 
but even with you know this goes into the idea this is the sort of the basis behind the behind the entire industry of alternative medicine or holistic healing right that natural things must by their nature be better for us than the man-made things or the chemical alternatives um which of course is a just a completely biased and uh, uh logically flawed way of reasoning because there is no inherent reason that natural should be better than man-made this is purely based on uh, an intuitive feeling kind of like a folk feeling um and the same is true for the metaverse this is what i challenged my friend on i said so why what is it about nature that makes it um necessarily or inherently better than uh the metaverse and she said well because you can touch things i'm like okay but so what what is better about that why is that better than you know than what the metaverse can provide um and she's like, well, there, you know, it's just like, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, you get to experience things. Well, certainly that is not a, uh, that argument doesn't take you very far because the metaverse is, is experiences also. And in fact, you could probably argue they are more, um, more purposeful experiences, right? Um, and more, you know, they're not limited by the constraints of reality, but quite the contrary, they are experiences without limits. So probably you could make even better, richer experiences. And then I took the, the, this little uh, thought exercise that we were going down even further. And I said, you know, let's, uh, let's take your argument for reality and compare it against an argument for um, a simulated reality or a metaverse reality. But, you know, reality, we are limited by factors outside of our control, right? We don't get to choose what parents we're born to. We don't get to choose what kind of a socioeconomic environment we'll be born into. We don't get to choose what part of the world we'll be born into, what our religion will be. And there are uh, billions of people now and throughout the history of humanity that have, born, have been born into through no choice or um, uh, uh, um, judgment of their own, have been born into horrific circumstances. Um, I asked her, you know, would you rather be a, uh, you know, born as, you know, a uh, black woman in the South, in the U.S., in the in the fifties, right? Or would you rather be uh, free to be in the metaverse to choose whoever you want to present as, um, to choose your experiences however you want them? Um, is the person who is having a natural experience, or say you're born, uh, you know, in some uh, regressive Middle Eastern uh, society where women have, uh, you know, no rights and they are, you know, it is a a, a pretty um, uh, horrific existence, um, is, but that is nature, right? It's all natural, right? Um, is that a better experience than, you know, the, the complete freedom, um, to choose your experiences, to choose your, uh, your community, to choose your destiny, uh, in the metaverse, for instance. Um, so it was just, it was a really interesting conversation. I think that it, it gave her an opportunity to pause and kind of reconsider her own biases, um, against the metaverse um, and what her biases toward or for uh, nature were. But so, but so the ability to do all that, and this is why this is, I think, helpful or useful in a conversation about skepticism. The reason we are able to have that kind of conversation and kind of what the, the, uh, the foundation and the impetus for it all was, was this, the awareness of this, uh, this cognitive bias, right? Um, the appeal to nature, the fact that there is a name for and that it's described and that it describes something in particular that most of us are um, affected by. We all experience, you know, the appeal to nature fallacy. Uh, but once you are aware of it, once someone describes it to you, 
um, you are able to reconsider how that bias, um, how that cognitive bias influences your own idea about your own ideas about things. And so what's true of that particular um, fallacy or that particular bias is true for a whole list of biases that are studied and that are available to us through the study of skepticism, which is why we keep advocating for skepticism here at Drug Receipts, because the better we are able to understand our minds, the better we are able to understand what our minds do, then the better our ability to hack and not just be, you know, hapless uh, bystanders, so bystanders along for the ride, but we can actually start to use our influences, our broadened awareness of what our brains are doing to make uh, better, more informed decisions. Even if at the end, now to bring it all the way back to the beginning of this argument and the reason I have the, um, the determinism tattoo, my tattoo is not about free will. It's about the rejection of free will. It's about the, it's about acknowledging that we live in a deterministic universe. Um, but, uh, even knowing that, if our brains do what they do, then the best that we can do, the best that we can hope for is to keep giving our brains, you know, more materials to work with. Because at the end of the day, what we are really, if we are not making decisions, right, if we're not actively, consciously making decisions ever, um, all we really are doing is we are, uh, we are writing the experience of the decisions that are made for us by our brains. So we are the things that experience our brains, but we also are the sum of all of our influences. That's what our brain is. Uh, so choose your influences wisely. Uh, read, surround yourself with smart, interesting people. Uh, watch interesting shows, listen to interesting books, listen to interesting podcasts. Um, and in that way, we are crafting brains that will provide the most interesting experiences for us and use skepticism to give your brain the tools that it needs to understand what it's doing. Give your brain a manual for how to operate itself itself instead of just going by the uh, the wiring that it inherited from millennia of evolution. Uh, we can be better versions of ourselves. And as we head into the metaverse, that's the idea. That's one of the things that we're doing here at Drug Receipts is we're trying to build better brains. That's why this is mind-altering substance. Um, our mission is no less uh, than the altering of your brains. It's mind-altering substance. So, wow, long meandering thing. Uh, I think that we uh, we brought it back. We, we formed a nice loop there, a little thought loop. Uh, maybe there will be some more conversation around this in the Discord. Um, guys, if you like conversations like these and they're not all this weird, uh, some of them are a little more approachable, a little more accessible. We've been having some great conversations in our AMAs every Tuesday, every Tuesday. Uh, or Wednesday, I guess, for New Zealand. But every Tuesday on Twitter, we have a Twitter Spaces. In the last one, we got into a great conversation about censorship in um, social media and in the metaverse. So we love to have deep, long-form conversations. And we love that you guys are here and along and uh, for the ride and are part of the conversation. We look forward to having more conversations with you in our Discord, um, in our social channels. Follow us at Drug Receipts on Twitter at Drug Receipts on Instagram, uh, at least until we get flagged on any of these and our, our accounts get taken down. But for now, join us in all of our social channels. Um, follow our and subscribe to our YouTube if you don't already. Um, all of these um, podcasts are posted on our YouTube channel, Drug Receipts. Uh, so we look forward to keeping the conversation going with all of you guys. We really enjoy 
um, the simulating conversation. We enjoy the feedback and the input from all of you, from our drug snugglers. Uh, thanks for sticking around this long. This has been a long one. Thanks to Nux for all the great conversation. Thanks to Jesse for the great content that she provided. Thanks to our producers and uh, all of our moderators, our meds, our developers, all the team behind Drug Receipts uh, that make it possible for us to keep sharing this great content with you. We love you all. We will snug you later. See you around, drug snugglers. Uh, that's it for now. Bye-bye.